I was very excited. Uh, you know, Amy Schumer was coming in today, and Gary just got a message from her publicist saying that she apologizes. She is not feeling well. There's no way she can do it today. She, please apologize. That's the only you know. reason I showed up today. Not even, you know, Robin, I don't blame you. You know, but, but <laughs> here's the thing. The reason I'm so tired, my wife and I stayed up like way past my bedtime watching the new Amy Schumer show, Life oh, with Beth. Yeah. 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 We, um, well, you know, because I wanted to be well versed in the show and know what was going on. And uh, I'm disappointed because I wanted to talk to Amy about the Academy Awards and that whole experience. And uh, there's a lot in her new show that is um, autobiographical that I I want to know what's true and what isn't. Mm. But uh, anyway, so uh, sadly, this does happen. It's live yeah, people radio. People have lives, yeah. People have lives. And, uh, and so I'm disappointed. I know my wife will be disappointed because I kept her up. And you know what I do? I do this thing. My wife can fall asleep while we're watching TV. I don't have that ability. I'm so focused on TV, I cannot fall asleep. <laughs> and I see, and I look over and I see her eyes closed. And, I, and I'm confused by this because she says, don't watch the show without me if I fall asleep. So then I'll go, honey, you're asleep? And she'll go, no. Keep watching, no. And I go, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to keep watching this show? Yes. Keep Are you watching. asking I'm, me? <laughs> no, I'm asking her, and I, I don't know. I'm I'm confused by her because we watch American Idol, and she loves watching American Idol with me. And uh, last night I'm watching it, and in the middle of it, I see she's zonked out. She's like, <laughs> which is the appropriate thing to do during American Idol. Really, I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I go, all right. I'm turning off American Idol, and I'm going to watch From. She doesn't watch From. I watch From. Which is a horrible name for a show, but it's a really good show. And, and then, but, but was, then she's like, no, no, no. And like that sleepy boy. She's like, no, 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 no. Keep it on. I'm watching. I go, no, you're not watching. Your eyes are closed. <laughs> Do you give her a quiz? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did Katy Perry just say to Lionel Richie if you were awake? <laughs> I can't believe I like that show. It's embarrassing, but I do. I love it. And, you know, there are times I, you know, she goes, why do you watch me when I'm laying in bed? I go, I watch you because I refuse to watch American Idol twice. It's bad enough I watch it once. But then <laughs> you'll, you'll like say, oh, I missed what happened. Can you rewind it? And I'm like, well, I've seen it already. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like even with the, um, with the Academy Awards, she was, she fell asleep and I was like, she goes, let's watch the rest tonight. I go, well, I watched like 80% of it while you were sleeping. <laughs> But I, I do whatever she says, because the fact that she gives me sex is so amazing. It's weird, too. You ever read, they say, always tell your wife that she's beautiful. And I woke up this morning, and I was getting ready for work, and came into the kitchen, and I was eating. And and uh, I looked at her, and I went, wow, she looks beautiful. I mean, it's first thing in the morning. She looks so beautiful. I go, honey, you look just so beautiful. She goes... Stop it. You're embarrassing me. 
And I went, uh, I go, what the fuck? How does all this? I read these magazines and every stop yeah, fires on Magazines me. are steering you wrong. <laughs> I swear to these magazines don't know what the fuck they're talking. Stop it. You're in, I said, wait a second. I said to her, stop I said, it. I read these magazines and they say it's good to tell your wife that she's beautiful. Women appreciate this kind of thing. She goes, I don't know. I, I, what do you, don't look at me right now. So I don't know. I do everything. But uh, it's so funny because she's been kind of like really sticking it to me lately. That's been, yeah, yeah. I kind of told you about this yesterday. She said she's been having like this uh, problem with her vagina. This, um, I guess you call it a urinary tract infection or something. Uh, Well, it wouldn't be in her vagina if it's a urinary tract infection. Oh, no. What's the difference? I don't understand any of that. Oh, my God. I do not understand. I swear I don't. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I was doing research yesterday for the show. Turns out there's a G spot and an A spot. Now, the scientists have figured it out. There's an A, B, C, D, E, F before that. (laughs) No, no, but but listen to this. There's a G spot and an A spot, it turns Uh, out. And I'll I'll talk about this some more. But. I, I went to the website where they were explaining what the A spot is. And there's this big graphic uh, cartoon of a vagina. And I went, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, it was too graphic for me. I really don't know. I think if you have a urinary tract ex- uh, infection, it has something to do with your vagina. I thought the vagina was the whole thing. I don't know. What are you saying? <laughs> your urinary tract, your urethra is a tube. Oh, go ahead. Who knew? That lies very close to the vagina. Oh, see, I just and have a sometimes, dick. What? Yeah, I just have a dick, and everything comes I out know, of it. I know all of it's together yeah. in you. In but, me, yeah. Uh, when you're <laughs> having sex, yeah, you can sometimes infect the urethra because of the in and out motion, and you can also possibly irritate it through the oh. walls of the vagina it's not like you're in oh. the vagina in the urethra oh. you're in Who the vagina kn- so, but it's so close so in other words what you're saying is there are two different caves like there's a cave well, called the vagina the is very small yes but it's a cave there's a little cave and a big it's a cave tube. A big, yeah a tube a, a, a green type of tube <laughs> it should be lit <laughs> right Oh, God, I've never really looked, you know. I really don't know that. I'm not going to act like some kind of sex expert. I didn't know that. I just know that her A spot is inflamed and her G spot. And I can't have sex. But anyway, she's been saying to me, you did this to me the other night. You were pounding me really hard. And I go, you keep accusing me of that, but you don't understand. That makes me feel more masculine that I was able to disrupt things in your vagina. Well, that that just shows a little bit of craziness in you. <laughs> well, the fact that my penis can do any kind of damage is just amazing to me. Because I always think, ah, I'm so small. But meanwhile, Beth says it's hard to handle my penis. And I'm like, again, ah, I have yeah. to worry about technique when I hear these. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something, honey. If you were with me, you'd be bent over uh, in strange positions. I don't, uh, I can't even begin to tell you what I'm up to. But uh, evidently, I did uh, some, yeah. Some, some lasting damage. damage.
did you say this has been going on no. for days? Yeah, well, she was going to handle it without an antibiotic, but then she decided to get one. So. Uh. so when I told Beth how good looking she was this morning, she said, you know what? You need to get laid. I got to get rid of this situation. You're. <laughs> but I was like that Miley Cyrus song. I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> I should get Beth down here so she can describe to you. I'm, I'm kind of, in a weird way, proud of my ability to give uh, people um, urinary tract infections. You're terrible. I, I mean, there could in a be weird a million way. reasons for it that would not be very flattering. By the way, oh really? No, I wasn't in her ass and then put my penis in there <laughs> or anything like that. I know, I know how you think, but I'm kind of like walking around like, yeah, I destroyed her vagina. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, I, I said to her, uh, turns out I compound hard. She goes, yeah. She well, what are you doing? A, Why are you doing that? That's what she likes, so I deliver. Oh. You know, I, she tells me what she wants and I just do it. I was watching I can... this movie with that Orlando Bloom, your friend, your boyfriend. Yeah. And uh, it's called Revenge. I was watching it because I thought it might be a good movie to recommend to you. But yeah. uh, I don't think you should watch this movie. Okay. Because the whole time he's running around thinking about killing a priest, not like, you know. Hmm. I don't like that. No. And so, yeah, it's very, it's it's a, actually a depressing movie because mm. apparently the priest uh, molested him when he was a child. Oh. But there are several like love that. scenes where he's just pounding away at this girlfriend. And I'm like, why do they show that in movies? People like it. It doesn't look like fun. You know, the woman's looking like, oh, my God, is he ever going to get finished? Because this is terrible. And I don't you know. uh, I don't enjoy pounding hard. I do it for my woman. I, I I'm a very sensuous human being. I go slow <laughs> like everything else in life. But I was kind of proud. Well, I thought I you were getting like, these ideas from these movies because every time I no. see a guy is just like ramming himself. Into no, no, no. I do what my wife tells me. To do. <laughs> yeah. You never enjoyed a hard pounding, Robin? I mean, there's a, you know, like once you're involved in the act, yeah, sure. you know, some things can, but it's just Ooh. not this, this relentless uh. pounding. No, that's not, uh, not what you Ooh. want. Not what Ooh. I want. Not what uh, you want. Okay, let mm, me make a note of that. Uh, in case, oh, oh, yeah, right In, in case the unspeakable uh. happened. <laughs> now, I was like, oh, man, my penis needs a warning label. And I was like, very taken with myself. But, yeah. But I, you know, she's accusing me of being the one who got this going on with her so i said you don't know that for a fact but i'll take full credit well i think well i'll i'll just no, no i'm not gonna say anything oh go ahead feel free i mean you know because know usually couples time. who you know have been together a long time those things don't happen well i'm evidently the wrecker of wrecker of vagina and uh it happens in my relationships, let me tell you. You know, that's usually like when you've been with somebody for the, you know, 
the first honeymoon. time or you haven't had sex in a long time. Yeah. The honeymoon syndrome, they call it. Right. I know. I just, I just, you know, I guess I've always had low self-esteem when it came to my penis and almost everything else in life. And, uh, you know, having my wife tell me that my penis did some kind of damage to her vagina makes me feel kind of like, hmm, I'm pretty fucking masculine, aren't I? And then I was urinating yesterday. I looked down at my penis and I went, how did you do this? You're so fucking tiny. Like, how did you become a a, a wrecker of vagina? How did you well, pull that again, off? again, I have to say, just for, not for you, but for the general public, there are things women should do right after sex. Urinate. She does that. this from happening. Yeah. She does it. She does it. My wife is way on top. Like, sometimes she pops out of bed. I go, where are you going? We're supposed to have post-coital conversation. Why are you running? Yeah. I have to pee. I'm like, well, I mean, uh, you're supposed to be wasted with euphoria after uh, being with me. <laughs> you're supposed to have to not be able to move for a little bit. And you're supposed to want to just be close to me. But evidently, I am a pussy punisher, they call me, <laughs> in the trade. All right, you want to be proud of that. Not like yeah. the world's greatest lover. You're the pussy punisher. I'm, the general, I'm the general of genital destruction. That's what I am. That's pussy, me. pussy, pussy. All right, Robin. I'm the kamikaze of vagina. A pussy bone? A twat terrorist. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just tired. I stayed up and watched Amy Schumer to get ready for the show. And then, you know, all night with my parents. Oh, my God in heaven. It's so sad and depressing. I was talking to my sister. She's sad. I'm sad. It's just horrible to watch your mother be so fucking, you know, my mom was always a loud mouth, you know, someone I looked up to who had lots of advice, you know, pretty positive person. And to see her just like, I just want to die. I don't want to live anymore. And then the doctors tell me. There's really nothing wrong with her. It's just this depression. In other words, there's nothing physical. Like, I can't say she has cancer or has a heart problem. Yeah, or... there's no particular reason. No, they, that's it, Robin. And and it's so frustrating. And really, I don't know what's going on with Amy Schumer, but I should be calling out sick today, Robin. Not Amy. Yeah. Amy should be here I mean, doing you keep soldiering on. What's up with Amy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll what probably break down. And there? Some... I don't know, but. I, I'm probably gonna, I don't know. You know, I was thinking with Amy, maybe she just doesn't want to talk about the Oscars or, you know, but we could have dealt with that. I mean, I would have asked her about it, but she could say, Hey, you know, I don't want to talk Rather about it or talk something. About it. I haven't got my thoughts together about it or whatever she wanted to say. Or it could just be, she didn't feel well. Maybe I'm reading too much it into be. it. Well, I just know that she did make that statement that she was like pulling back from show business and. Yeah. Wanting to spend more time with her family. You know, I, I don't know where she was exactly when all that was going on, but it sounds like you. it was traumatic for her. 
I don't know. I've learned one thing in life, Robin. Never say you're pulling back from show business. Because <laughs> most people can do it. Yeah. I like these so people. Most times show business pulling back from you. <laughs> yeah. I really love the people. I'm not really addicted to social media. I like reading it, but I don't like being on it. I don't like posting on it. Uh, for those of you who follow me know I rarely post. When I do, it's like something, you know, out of the blue. That's right. Uh, like a bomb going off. Oh, my God. When Howard I, just posted. Well, when I first got on social media and Twitter, I was posting a lot. And then people started to write me, you post too much. You're filling up. And I went, you know, fuck them. They're right. I do post too much. Why am I doing this? I mean, um, Twitter isn't paying me. Sirius XM is. I'll do it on there, whatever I got to say. So they, you know, and then I felt self-conscious, honestly. I was like, oh, I guess there's a rule. You're not supposed to tweet so much. I was answering questions. I was having some fun with it, but fuck that. Right. I mean, I didn't want to be criticized. I hate being criticized. I mean, who cares? I got a thin skin. I'll be the first to admit it. But um, when you when you go on social media and you say, I'm pulling back from show business, I've noticed that without really zeroing in on anybody, but people go, I'm going off social media. I'm taking a break from it or I'm uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm canceling my account. Literally, it's always two weeks later. They're back on in full force. It's weird. <laughs> they can't stay away. And they're the first ones to start criticizing social media and celebrity and all that kind of stuff. And then two weeks later, they, they're like addicted to it. They want to share everything. So I think it's best to not make declarations about pulling back. But... uh yeah, this shit with my parents. Oh, God, you know. My dad's so out of it now. Uh, he he hasn't snapped back? Some days he does, and you think, oh, okay. He's okay, you know. But he got a little happier when my mom came home from the hospital, and then yeah. yesterday he was real out of it. Yesterday he was like, um, like he, they don't live in a big place. They've got a pretty, you know, they got a nice apartment, but it's it's not huge. And he uh, he has to be told every minute, like like he'll go, "What do I do next? What do I do?" Like like he has a routine. He loves his routine, but he doesn't remember where in the apartment he's supposed to go. Oh, and to see my dad like that is really weird because, however, my dad was with me. He was always the smartest guy in the room, you know. And uh, he was always like really incredibly gifted at. You know, reading the newspaper and sort of commenting on it and commenting on world events. And I was very admiring of his knowledge. He's just a naturally very smart man. And to see his whole brain kind of shut down like this. And then there was He's not incident. reading the paper anymore because up until all of this started, he was reading the paper still every day. He is reading the paper every day, but I don't, and I, and I believe he is retaining some of this stuff. When he, when he talks about the, what's going on in the news, I can kind of, I can fill in the blanks and see that he knows what's going on. It's in his head. But now all of a sudden there's been a turn in his behavior where he's just not even, like his routine is not even clear to him anymore. Mm. So he'll read the paper, but he's falling asleep a lot. You know, look, the dude's 98 years old. He's been on the planet See, almost 100 the years. They wound up getting that COVID and everything's been wrong since then. 100% right. This COVID is a curse 
They were doing well. They got it, and they quote-unquote recovered, but not really. Like, yeah, they're not COVID positive, but they've got issues. My mother especially. She's in pain all the time. And some people with long-term COVID talk about this. They have constant pain. The other day, my, when my mom was eating ice cream, she says, I don't know. I lost my taste. I don't taste it. And I'm, I'm realizing. Thing. Yep. They might not get their smell and taste back. Yeah. And everything's just depressing. See my mom. Like her face is, I go, I look at her and I go, that's my mom. Like that's still her. But my mom was always very proud of her ablutions and her routine and her mm-hmm. dress she get dressed every day now she doesn't want to get dressed she doesn't want to shower she doesn't want to do anything doesn't want to get out of bed to see my mom like that i don't care how old you are it's just frightening and you know they go isn't a long life wonderful i was talking to this woman the other day a woman from the hospital called me she's the woman in charge of like getting all the um all the insurance forms and everything and right I'm in the middle of fucking 90 different... I was on a meeting, actually, in Zoom with all of our crew trying to get some shit together for the show. And all of a sudden, the phone rang, and I saw it was the hospital, so I said to everybody, hold on a second. And I go, hi, uh, uh, who is this? Hello, how are you? The woman goes, and I'm in a meeting, and I go, who is this? I'm so-and-so from the hospital. How are you? I go, well, I'm in a meeting, but uh, can, what can I do for you? I just need a couple of pieces of information, if you don't mind. I go, well, okay, is it going to be a long time? I don't mean to be rude, because you're never rude to somebody from the hospital. They're saving, you know, my parents' life. I go, I don't, I said, I don't mean to be rude, but a minute, can I call you back? No, 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 no. It'll just take a minute. We can, let's take care of it right now. So make sure your parents are all paid up and everything. I said, okay. She goes, first of all, how, I gotta make sure, uh, it's, you know, you are, how old is your mother? I go, my mother's 94. Oh, isn't that a blessing? That is a <laughs> blessing. 94 years old. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Blessing. Who are you talking to? <laughs> I don't know who I was talking to, but <laughs> she sounded like an evangelist. And she goes, yeah. How, she goes, how old is your father? I go, my dad's 98. Oh, oh, my goodness. What a blessing. Oh, my goodness. God bless them. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I, and then I was like, should I explain to her that it isn't such a blessing? I mean, right. yes, they're it's doing a, really yeah. terribly. Yeah. A blessing for who exactly? Your hospital business or for me? I mean, uh, I mean, I love having them around, but they're hardly around. They're kind of, you know. But, uh, yeah, and she was, she was carrying on. I go, I gotta go to the meeting. It'll only take five more minutes. Well, 30 minutes later, you, you know, oh, I'm, <laughs> I could tell she was just gonna go on and keep you. Yeah. And when she said, you know, Oh my God, it's such a blessing you have your parents. And I was like, um, and I go, what am I doing? I mean, I'm about Next to open question, up to please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Robin, it's been unbelievable. But you know, I mean, Robin and I talk off the air. Every time she calls, I'm like, Robin, I'm going nuts. (laughs) And then um, Robin gives me like a 25-minute lecture on the aging population of the United States of America, what needs to be done. 
and uh, she smacks me around a little bit, and then that's uh, that's the end. that's it. And I go, okay, I hear we you. We try to have a laugh or two before I get off, and then we yeah, go right, right back into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, Amy Schumer's on the phone. She wants to apologize. She says she really is sick. Yeah, Amy, what's uh, up? Oh, no. um, oh, dear. Well, you know what? Amy is really sick. Uh, I, I hear the diarrhea. Amy, I know you can't talk, but... Uh, diarrhea once for a yes and twice for no. Um, do you think? All right. I guess Thank that was you. okay. <laughs> that was an okay. Amy, all right. Just, just diarrhea, please. Once for yes, twice for no. Um, do you think that you could possibly maybe do the show, uh, later? Maybe you'll get better. Yeah. That sounded like a no. That sounded like well, a no. It was once for yes, a lot, and twice for no. You think that was twice? I, you know what? I'm having I'm 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 having a hard time. Amy, I'm just curious about the Oscars. Are you still traumatized? Yes, that's yeah. a yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Do you think you could appear on the show on Monday? Is that a possibility? I think that's a no. I think that was a no. Uh, and a double, <laughs> definite no. <laughs> do you enjoy doing your new show, or is it a? Well, do you enjoy doing your new show? Says yes. Yeah. Were you impressed to hear that I hurt Beth with my penis? That's a no. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure what she's saying. <laughs> One last question. <laughs> One last question. Uh, will you ever host the Oscars again? That's a yes. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad they didn't scare her away forever. Finally, finally, do you think I'm attractive? That's a no. Wow. Oh. That hurt. All right. Well, oh. Feel better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, you missed the there ball. You Stop it. <laughs> she does she does she does have a lot of medical issues. Yeah. Let's um let's be honest. I was going to ask her about that, too. But all right, listen, that's what happens. Uh, Dan, you're on the air. Dan in Massachusetts. Go ahead. I have a lot to get to today, including the rest of that package on Karen's. I am going to uh, uh, let you know what other comedians are thinking about this Will Smith thing. That saga continues. I have a, co uh, a couple of uh, pieces of tape on that. Uh -huh. I've got many, many things to go over with you, Robin. I um also want to I present think, you with did did Jimmy Kimmel say you know because people were asking him you know he's hosted uh what would he have Jimmy done Kimmel what did he if say he was in that situation I think he said he would have run <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. I think uh, Jimmy would have handled it in some sort of funny way uh or or maybe serious I don't know I asked myself that 
Not yeah. that I would ever host the Oscars. They wouldn't ask me. And I think it's a thankless job that uh, you can only lose at. But but I do I do think Amy, when she did her monologue, was really good, quite frankly. I think Absolutely. She well. I loved it. Yeah. By the way, did you happen to know about this uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon traded places on April Fool's Day? Kimble, they Kimble. they did each other's show. Did you were you aware of that? No, that? I didn't know that. You know, back in the day, I've talked to both these guys about it. I don't understand friendships. When you're on against somebody in radio, I always was at war with them. And you know, maybe I took it a little too far. I was out of my fucking brain. But that's the way I function. I feel like, hey, they're trying to take my audience from me. You know, I, I had, uh, listen, I went into therapy. I, I, need, I needed a lot of help. I was out of my fucking mind. I really was. But yet, I, you know, when I see Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon trade places on uh, April Fool's Day, I go, you know, maybe these guys are more involved than me. The fact that they could form a friendship and, um, you know, host each other's show and in, and in a sense, not be competitive with one another. Good for them. Do you know what I mean? Because in the end, sure. what does it all mean? Well, I think, you know, because a lot of times we'll talk to musicians. And, you know, the question will come up, were you competitive? You know, you even asked uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers yesterday. You know, was right. it kind of competitive when you were, you know, touring with uh, Pearl Jam and Nirvana, and then you were closing. And always with musicians, they would say, no, it was great because I was inspired by, you know, what they were doing. And I wanted to do it, too, and stuff like that. Mm. And I think that everybody's sort of moving that way, except Russia. <laughs> yeah, Russia. I don't know what's going to be done with them, but. But people are trying to cooperate more on that level, you know, to say, you know, we're all good. We yeah, could be better. I mean, what happened was Jimmy Fallon flew to L.A. to do Jimmy's show. Jimmy flew to New York. And they took it so far that even um, Jimmy Fallon banged uh, Molly, Jimmy's wife. And, <laughs> he uh, slept with Jimmy's wife. <laughs> yeah, they, they completely lived each other's life. And, oh, uh, my. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel banged Nancy Fallon like four times that night. He told me. No, what I actually want to say about this is, and this is never brought out, I, Beth, my wife Beth and I want to take full responsibility for the Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon love affair and the broadcast that occurred on April 1st. These guys never talk about this. You would think someone would say in an interview, how do you guys become friends? Well, I am now going to tell you the exclusive story of how they became friends, according to me. They probably have a whole different story, but the way I remember it, and by the way, I am sure I'm wrong because I have the worst memory, but Beth reminded me of this. When Jimmy Kimmel got engaged to his uh, lovely, talented wife, Molly, who I really do adore, I think this woman is spectacular, but when those two got engaged, I threw an engagement party for them at my home. And I invited Jimmy Fallon and his wife, Nancy, beautiful woman, Nancy, another guy who's lucky to have a beautiful wife. And uh, at the time, I remember these guys were not friends. 
In fact, there was some, uh, let's just say, among the guests that night, Jimmy Fallon showed up, and he was being very, very talented. He was. He was. He was showing doing, off. He, he, as yeah, he, he was doing. <laughs> he, 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 one thing about Jimmy Fallon: when he enters a room, he is just like he is on TV. This guy is the life of the party, and I mean this in the most positive way. He walks in, starts doing impressions. He'll sing songs. He is an entertainer's entertainer. And he walks in the room and he kills. This is, I, I could see why he was on Saturday Night Live and he got the Tonight Show. The guy walks in and he started um, right at the front door because you had this guest book. Do yes. you remember that? And he signed no, every page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a guest book. We had been to someone's house and I was like, hey, that's kind of a fun thing. I had this uh, guest book. Yeah, he signed every fucking page. Now that's funny. That's funny. I mean, you can't help but laugh. So, you know, I remember some uh, certain people came up to me and went, uh-oh, we got to go against this guy. And it wasn't Jimmy Kimmel saying it. It was, uh, right. uh, there were other type, producer types and things there. Well, I thought to myself, well, I've made a faux pas. Maybe I shouldn't have invited Jimmy Fallon to the Jimmy Kimmel, Molly, uh, uh, you know, the Molly, Jimmy engagement party. party. I, maybe I... Oh, oh, oh. Maybe I made a mistake. Are you getting what uh, Amy has? <laughs> yeah, I just vomited. I just vomited <laughs> during the show. So, um, well, I didn't know what happened after that night. But I guess at some point these guys exchanged texts or something. And the next time Jimmy Kimmel came to my house, he wrote me an, uh, uh, an email and he says, uh, hey, Howard. Do you think you can invite the Fallons over one night for dinner? We haven't seen them. We'd love to, or we, or we want to go over their house. I was like, what is this? A romance has developed. You want to see them again? Yeah, we've been in touch. We have a, we have a nice relationship with them. So what I want to say is I am the reason those guys are friends. <laughs> and I would like some credit. I never get any credit for bringing people together because, quite frankly, I never see any people. And I never bring anyone together because, uh, well, I'm too wrapped up in myself. <laughs> that but was this an accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that really was an accident. <laughs> you know, I, and I invited Robin to the party. There were a lot of people there. It was a fun party. And I threw a fun party, and I and those guys formed a relationship to the point that they're busy uh, carrying on with one another. <laughs> I remember one other funny thing. It was so funny. So uh -oh. they had left a seat for Beth next to you. You know, like everybody was coming to the table for dinner. And right. so there was a seat next to you that was for Beth. You know, everybody was avoiding that seat. And Jimmy Fallon came in and sat right next to you. Yes. <laughs> and <so he> <laughs> That's true. And well, then you know when what? you get, got up to give a toast to to jimmy and molly's engagement and then you wanted jimmy to say something jimmy fallon stood up and made the remark yes you're he right was amazing he was amazingly funny i mean wow yeah. it was a great night and uh yeah jimmy fallon i mean that's the thing uh hey someone make a speech who gets up the guy the, you know jimmy fallon doesn't even know them and makes his, <laughs> his speech Who's sitting in Beth's seat? <laughs> He's just yeah. like he was everywhere. Well, the thing I remember about that night is uh, when Jimmy Fallon walked in, I, he goes, 
listen, I can only stay a few minutes. I can only stay a few minutes. So I said, uh, okay. I was kind of bummed out because I thought it'd be right. fun to have, you know, I like people to stay and relax. I said, stay and relax. What do you have to do? Oh, we have to, uh, we have, we have a nanny. We have, blah, blah, blah. we have to go. We have to go home. Blah, blah, blah. I think Nancy's family was there at his yeah, house. Nancy's family. Waiting for dinner. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I kept saying to him, come on, stay five more minutes, stay 10 more minutes, stay 15 more minutes, then dinner was served, save 20 minutes, stay. and he ended up staying the whole night. Yeah, he was singing with Jimmy, uh, 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 um, I'm sorry. B- Billy Joel. Billy Joel took, to, you know, went and sat at the piano, and he starts doing Mick Jagger impressions. I mean, he was just, and that went on for a long time after dinner. Yeah, he was the last to leave, the guy who couldn't leave. <laughs> But um, I remember getting up to make a toast, and I, I on purpose, I said, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and Nancy on their engagement. And I'm so happy to throw an engagement party for Jimmy Fallon. I, uh, that was my big joke. Right. <laughs> because he was, the, he, was, he was having so much fun being the life of the party. But anyway, I, the point of the story is, I never get credit for this kind of stuff. I want to say I am the reason that that whole bromance occurred. And I, and and I like they that. I thank feel, you. They should recognize that. No, it's okay. But I would like to put it out there because I have this reputation as being someone who is uh, narcissistic, uh, very into myself, uh, never gracious. And it turns out I do have one show business story in me where I actually <laughs> facilitated a friendship. So thank you. There you go. And I, I, I just feel it's important that people know that. You know. Yeah, uh, Jerry, you're on the uh, you're on the air in Virginia. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Hey, now. I've been a fan. Hey, now. I've been a fan forever. And I've just been listening to you talking about you dealing with your parents and stuff. And I went through this with my mom. And it's, it's brutal. But then... You know, I married this just way out of my league, beautiful blonde, 17 years younger than I. And I was really worried about her having to deal with me. But, you know, five years later, she's 100% wheelchair bound and, you know, depends and stuff. And people forget about the caretaker. It's so, it's so much stress. And I just, uh, I... So relate to what you're dealing with. Um, in other words, you're funny. saying your wife has been gracious in helping you take care of your mother. Oh no, no, my wife is wonderful through this, but during all this, my wife got MS and became oh, wheelchair wow. bound and and everything. So I I was worried about her having to take care of me, but now I'm her caretaker, and it's just. It's such a stressful role in life, and it's certainly not her fault. And it's it's funny, Howard. So many people have said to me, "You're such a strong man for staying with her," and it's like, no, I'd be the biggest asshole in the world if I left. So, you know, it's a delicate dance. Well, but I just I'll get a, I, I'll I'll give you one better, Jerry. In terms of I got to make a political statement. I was watching President Biden's speech yesterday with President Obama uh, standing next to him. And they were talking about the Affordable Care Act and um, how wonderful it's been for people like you 
because um, you know that uh, a lot of people with pre-existing conditions were having trouble getting uh, insurance and also people who uh, need caretakers and need help. They're able to get it because of this Affordable Care Act. And I was very moved oh. by it. And and I don't understand why, you know, uh, certain politicians are so against this thing and so against... Uh, I don't understand it. I don't understand the people who vote for them because a lot of the people who vote for these guys need the Affordable Care Act. They actually will not have insurance without it. So... I don't know, you know, right? Am I right or do I have it wrong, Jerry? No, no, I I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I work full-time and I juggle a a part-time home care helper and my whole cotter pin in my whole dynamic is friggin' insurance. If I lose my job, I lose insurance. And like you said, you know, having to get my wife insured with MS is just not... It's not going to happen, and you know it's funny. There you go. Another thing, you you just reminded me of another thing. How the fuck did we get to this point where everything is politicized, and you can't have a different opinion from people? It, it, you know, without it immediately going off the rails. I guess. But yeah, that how is, do how that do like the, how does the average middle class or lower middle class human being? You know, feel so strongly against this Affordable Care Act when they're the ones who are benefiting from it. Um, you know, you you described the perfect storm. So you've got a job, you've got your insurance through your job. Your wife gets sick. Let's say you lost your job for one reason or another. Layoffs. Who knows? You lose that insurance and you try to get her insured. You're so fucked up the ass. You don't know which way to go. And then all of a sudden, oh, you can't even take care of your wife. You can't get any help. You, you, you can't even get basic medicine. I don't even, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't get it. I don't get why the anger toward it. I mean, look, what I'm yeah, going through man, with my I, parents, I got to tell you, look, I got all kind of AIDS there. I got this, that, the other thing. But man, oh, man, am I happy when insurance pays for something like my mom's in and out of the hospital because I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean. I'm not only out of pocket a whole bunch of dough, but the insurance at least covers some of this stuff that's going on. Oh, I don't. Dude, uh, we get we get personalized Christmas cards from our pharmacist. We spend so much money there, and you know, on top of her, I've had six spinal fusions, so I'd be uninsured. It's a mess. I don't know how. You're right, though. What? What? Why? I don't understand why this is such a hot topic with people. It's. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It came from Obama. There's anger toward this guy. I don't know. I don't get it. I thought the guy did a great job. Uh, I don't want to get too political, but it does baffle me sometimes when I'm sitting at home thinking about the well, world. Okay, Jerry. The whole network campaigning against a person every day. That's how it happens. Yeah, but why are people buying into it? They know they're getting a benefit from having... They're being uh, sold a bill of goods. They're being told that this guy wants to take money out of their pocket and they don't need health care. And I I mean, look, there was... I was just reading a story yesterday that there's a rumor that spread in some communities about furries, like they were letting the children claim to be cats and dogs and the teachers (laughs) wanted to put litter boxes in the classrooms. 
in some communities about furries, like they were letting the children claim to be cats and dogs, and the teachers <laughs> wanted to put litter boxes in the classrooms. Yeah. And a, some lawmaker uh, stood up and started talking about it on the floor of whatever legislature he was a in. Moron. Yeah. And it was all a, a hoax. It was not yeah. true at all. But he stood up and said, we can't let these people bring litter boxes into the school and let our children act like cats and dogs. Right. Bye, yeah, right, Jerry. Hey, well, thank you, guys. And uh, right. love you guys Later. a long time. And Same. I wish you the best. Thank you. Right. See, this, this guy, you got it. You, you never know when life's going to change. That's right. Well, but my parents, man, this has been such a rapid decline that uh, all of a sudden you start to know, oh, fuck. So this is what it's all about. This It is constant medical care, constant uh, medications. My mom must be on, I'm going to say at one point she had maybe 17 different sort of things going on between her eyes, between her depression, between her uh, heart medication. I mean, my God, it's like, it, and, and just administering the medications is a full time. Trying to figure gig. out when you're supposed to take them all day. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. And like I said, my, one of my daughters is a nurse practitioner. It's an angel and uh, she helps me out with it because I don't fucking know what I'm doing. She knows. I don't know, but not everyone's lucky enough to have someone in the health profession that they can That's lean on. That's true. I wonder yeah. how people do manage to negotiate have medical care. It's very complicated. And people yeah. are talking a strange language to you while you're stressed out because oh, you yeah. just got a diagnosis. Yeah, I was talking to the doctor the other day and he was saying, I'm going to change this medication. We're going to double the, the this medication, that medication. Your mother, um, this will stimulate her appetite. And after he was done, I was like, oh, now what do I do? He, he just told me what. But but it's complex. It's 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 not easy. Anyway, let's go to Matthew in Maine. Matthew. Hey, hey now, hey now. Hey, I just want to let you know your show yesterday. I mean, you've had a lot of good ones in the past. A lot of good ones in the past. Whether it was Ralph putting condoms on your movie list or Baba Booey's T-shirt. But your new shows, they've been on fire lately. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers yesterday was amazing. I just wanted to thank yeah. you for that interview. Their songs, I mean, seriously, for, what was it, about, about 10 or 15 minutes when they were playing, I just forgot about everything going on, whether it was the politics or the COVID or the wars. It was just nice. It was nice nostalgia. It was just a nice moment to have a nice treat on a Tuesday. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for that. All right. Thank you, Matthew. In fact, a lot of fans did. Uh, let me uh, go run through some of what the fans wrote in. After all, you took the time to write us. I will tell you that the Red Hot Chili Pepper uh, interview and the fans were thrilled to hear them. Holy crap. Red hot chili peppers were brilliant on Tuesday's show. And I, and I have to, um, I have to agree with that. I thought that they were very open and uh, very, very, very uh, generous with their time. But this fan wrote, I'm shedding a few tears because it was the most I've heard John Frusciante speak ever. His solo on scar tissue saved my life. The interview was so incredible. Howard, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were red hot on Tuesday morning. They are such a cool band with cool personalities. Um, they also gave us three amazing performances. As Robin pointed out, it was so much fun to watch. And uh, we'll get those right up on the app if they're not up there already. And, um, you know, they did uh, something from their new album, Unlimited Love. They did Under the Bridge, which is a classic. And at the end, they did that showstopper, give it away, give it away, give it away now. And man, did that sound good. Cool. 
away, give it away, give it away now. One fan wrote in, I've heard give it away hundreds of times in all possible ways, live, recorded in person, and that was probably the best rendition I've ever heard. I, I wow. tell you, I enjoyed it. They were playing like they were 20 years old again. So Oh, yeah, good. that was really amazing. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, Tuesday's show also, I was talking about the Grammys, how I was kind of disappointed with the state of music. Uh, a lot of people agreed with me. Howard, I agree with you on the Grammys. I think they're, I think they've just always played it safe, even going back to the 80s when Jethro Tull beat Metallica for best metal album <laughs> and, uh, Will Smith taking best rap performance over LL Cool J. Howard, you're dead on about music today. I think a lot of it has to do with the internet and technology. Everyone, Everyone can be a manufactured star today. Uh, music today is so depressing. There are very few good new artists that are emerging. But in my opinion, the 90s were the real last decade. This person wrote, it's not about meaningful music or exciting concerts. It's about social media followers today. Sad. A lot of people, surprisingly, Robin, responded to my comments on Derek and Julianne Huff special, the dancing really? special, yes. Those other three million people are getting in touch with you. <laughs> I mentioned on Tuesday's show that I watched Derek and Julianne Huff's dancing special on ABC. And I don't know why, and I'm not sure exactly. I'm trying to be honest. I love watching those two. But in a way that you watch kind of a train wreck, you know, their brother and sister and the dancing is awfully kind of. Oddly sexual. And she's hot. She's got a great body. And I, I like to see her. And I like to see her dance with almost no clothing on. <laughs> I do. I'm being honest. Okay. But the fans wrote in, uh, you guys nailed it on Derek and Julianne Huff. She's definitely hot. But the whole special felt old timey and creepy. Yeah. that That's what I was trying to express yesterday. It's like, again, like with the Grammys and anything else. I see a lot of media. And uh, I've always tried my whole career to be interesting and be outspoken because I feel like a lot of media feels like what my parents used to watch or like the 1950s Eisenhower years where things were kind of just bland. And then when the 60s happened and the Vietnam War and everything and the music became electrified, literally electrified and Rock started to blast out of every speaker. Everything became exciting and new. And then now all of a sudden we're like we're in the doldrums of music again. I don't know how we get out of this. But when I see like Julianne Huff and Derek, who, by the way, I'll give them their due. They're really talented dancers. You know, they're good at it. Dancing with the Stars became a TV show. Yeah. I was like, that can't possibly work. Please <laughs> right. don't let it work. <laughs> you didn't want it to work, but it did. No. But I, uh, JD did pull some of the dialogue for me because okay. it really is. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, someone wrote me, that special was odd. I feel weird dancing with my sister like that. I can't believe people actually watch that nonsense. So here's a clip of um, 
Derek and Julianne go, going over what movies they would choreograph a dance about. So this is like patter that they do in between dances. Uh-huh. And the patter is all kind of like, oh, my God, we only have 11 days to put together this special for ABC. And I'm sitting there watching it and I go, well, who the fuck told you you have 11 days to put together a special? <laughs> I mean, couldn't you take a year and put like, why am I what being were you pressured doing before this? <laughs> yeah. Like, wh- like they don't explain like, like, like all of this is exposition anyway. It's all them going, you know, we're doing a show. And, oh, my God, we love the movies, and we want to honor the movies. And then, the you know, the other guy goes, yeah, and we only have 11 days to do it. I'm really stressed out. And, and, and you're like, you're scratching your head because, well, yeah, what really? Were you, doing? Uh, were you building a rocket? Were, what were you doing? Right. Like, what was the urgency? You had a secret <laughs> weapon to take out Russia and their troops? I mean, you only had 11 days. Couldn't? <sighs> anyway, here you go. Wow, okay, so not exactly the Hollywood soundstage I was imagining. I don't even think we're in Hollywood anymore, Jules. Oh, come on, Dee. Seriously, what were you thinking? What do you mean, what was I thinking? Paying tribute to these legendary dance films that inspired us to dance? It's an absolute dream come true. It's a huge amount of pressure is what it is. Okay. People get months to prepare for things like this. We get 10 days? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have a whole 10 days. I don't even know where to start. We could do, like, Chicago, all that jazz. Your positivity is annoying me right now. Your positivity you know reminds me of uh, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. That's what I told the crew this morning. Exact quote. I said, it's like, the you know, let's go do a show. And, you know, yes. I mean, we'll do it in I, the barn. I guess I, I'm kind of fascinated, but this shit kind of still exists. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, like, yeah, I thought it had been stamped out, but obviously there were embers left and they've caught fire. <laughs> we only have 11 days. Like, like my generation used to laugh at shit like this. Yeah. So this is lame. What are they talking about? They only have 11 days. Hey, Jules. Yeah, D. Did you notice that? She, she says, no. uh, she calls him D and he calls her he Jules. He calls her Jules. Yeah. Like, why don't you two go get a room? But, uh, I don't know. I watched the whole thing, but I fast forward through the dancing unless there's a good (laughs) outfit on Julianne Huff. (laughs) Want another clip here? They are watching Saturday Night Fever together because they need inspiration for the show. Okay. And Derek goes on about John Travolta's dimples. And his hip thrusts. He's very fucking taken with this guy. Oh my goodness. This move. I love this move John so much. Travolta <laughs> is the man. Look at the hair, the dimples, those hips, though. Look at those pelvic thrusts. Oh my gosh. Do you remember dad would get so mad at you when you yeah. were a kid because of your pelvic thrust? Yeah, we'll have no pelvic thrust in this household, young man. That is literally your job. Would they grow up in Footloose? It is. Yeah. Except I don't really do disco. It's too cool. I'm not cool. John Travolta is cool. I'm not cool. Hmm. Uh, this is not how people who have grown up in the same home of their whole lives talk to one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember how angry dad would get at your hip thrusts? Has that, has that sentence ever been said? I told you not to do hip thrusts. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What's going on with you two? He's doing a hip thrust like John Travolta. <laughs> Your father doesn't like that. 
Good Lord. No hip thrust. Geez, I only wish that was a rule in my house. I don't think anybody got out of bed. <laughs> the most unathletic family I ever saw. Hey, hey. I only wish my father would yell at me about that. What are you doing? Are you, you, don't, you don't know how to do anything. <laughs> oh, and teacher, this is how you do a hip thrust. <laughs> you don't even know how to do a hip thrust. The weird thing about my parents was my parents were really into dancing. My father likes to yeah. dance. And my, yeah, like in a weird way, they started square dancing. They even went out and bought square dancing outfits. It was so fucking bone chillingly douchey. I was fascinated by that era. <laughs> that phase. <laughs> Why are you two doing hip thrust? Stop flirting with your sister. <laughs> hey, yay, yay. Yeah, my parents got into dancing and I always thought it was weird. And they, my, my mother even like, like when I got into college and stuff, uh, the, I went away and I came home and they had square dancing outfits. My dad even had one of those bolo ties, you know, those metal yeah, things yeah. with the strings hanging off it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And they had all their square dancing friends. And they would get angry if the people weren't rehearsed. Remember? Well, like, that was my dad. You should know your steps. That was my dad. My mom once confided in me. What? Sometimes it's hard dancing with your father. He gets very annoyed with me if I don't know the steps. Oh. Because <laughs> you have to memorize these calls. Like the, the guy calls out, you know, do -si do and then you're supposed <laughs> to know what to do. And my dad prided himself on all of his steps. <laughs> it was fucking weird that my parents, who were so, like, unemotional, especially my dad, he's like ice. That he somehow had this um, dancing in him. They they would take me out to dinner on Friday nights to a place that had dancing. It was in Hempstead, Long Island. At his place. And like they'd order their dinner, which was traumatic. My father had no <laughs> tolerance if you didn't know how to order your dinner properly. <laughs> no matter how young you were. And then, and then all of a sudden, after the ordering was done, there was time before the salad came out. He would, he, my mother would get up with him in this fucking dumpy restaurant and they'd start dancing. Like imagine you're eating and you look up and see my parents dancing. <laughs> now this wasn't square dancing. This was like regular this was dancing. This just regular dancing. Yeah. And I'm sitting there with my sister. We didn't have a whole hell of a lot to talk about. We we're just dying of embarrassment. <laughs> And then when my sister went to college, I used to have to go with my parents to dinner by myself. And I'd just be oh. sitting there alone at the table while they were dancing. I wish I had had an iPad like kids today. I see them in the restaurant. They're busy. <laughs> I had to sit there and watch them. And my face would turn beet red. I was just like, what the fuck are these two up to? And then they would, they would sit down and it was like, uh, weird. Like, what just happened? It was like a car wreck. Yeah, who were those people? <laughs> yeah, like, like, wait a second. You two are just yelling at me about how I don't know how to order properly off the menu. My father was just yelling at my mother that she should never. Do not ask the waiter for the entrees. And you've been here a hundred times. You know the whole menu. You should know what you want when you walk in. <laughs> Watch me. I will now order. The waiter comes up. I will have 
the Roquefort dressing on the salad. I will have duck, French fries, and peas. And for dessert, I will now have the chocolate pudding. And my mother go, I need more time. <laughs> he was embarrassed in front of the waiter that she needed right. more time. She, she goes, I'm trying to decide. Because my father wanted to order fast. Even now that my father's all fucked up, if the lunch is late by a minute, he goes berserk. That he still knows. Oh. Yeah. How would you go? Oh, and the look from my father. The pressure. <laughs> Um, and I would just go, um, I'll have the duck. No! Order the uh, salad first. He's writing it down. You're making it difficult for him. Start again. Start again. <laughs> I'll have the Roquefort dressing. I said it like him. I didn't know he doesn't know how to fucking speak English. <laughs> Fucking Roquefort dressing. I'll have the Roquefort dressing, the duck, and French fries and peas and chocolate pudding. I, I got the same thing he did. I wouldn't dare look at the menu. I knew not to look at the fucking menu. I knew it. You were supposed to know the menu. Yeah, if I, if I, what are you looking at the menu now? He'd even say to me on the car ride over, what are you going to eat? You never practice? said my name. Yeah. He goes, what are you going to eat? And I know what he was doing. He was really trying to get to my mother. He was afraid to tell her. So he wanted to hear what I'm going to eat and recite my order. Uh -huh. And then finally, he goes, Ray, what are you going to have? And when I get there, I'll look at the menu. Uh -oh. oh, you've been there a hundred times. This is while he's driving. He's getting turning red. Well, you know I don't what know why they that have. was so important to him. He he has this thing with authority. When the waiter comes over, he wants to be perfect. He wants everything. Like he wants to, like like he's getting a grade in school. I think my dad grew up so poor that when he goes to the restaurant and he sees a waiter, he, he thinks feels he's like, a man of authority and he should know what he's no, doing in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to show them, and he doesn't want any difficulty. And he doesn't. He would get mad if you talk to the waiter. We once went out to dinner with another couple with them, you know, and the, the guy was kind of like, hey, how you doing? What, what kind of drinks? He got he started a conversation with the waiter. Uh -huh. When we got home, my father started and he would lecture my mother. <laughs> what is he busy with the waiter? He's sitting there talking to him. Yeah, he and my mother had to go right with him, you know, <laughs> he I mean, the waiter doesn't care what he has to say. And he's sitting there carrying on like someone cares. Just order the food. This guy's got a job to do. It's like my dad wanted to be the best guy ordering of the night. Like he wanted the waiter to say, this is a guy who knows how to order. But it, what it sounds like is a guy who was never comfortable. No. Ever. Completely. Anywhere. Never. You hit it on the head. Totally uncomfortable everywhere in every situation. At work. Everywhere. When he had my, my mother forced him to bring me to work. It's like he wanted to hide me away. <laughs> Just sit here and say nothing. I'll come back in a half hour. Don't talk to anyone. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my, my, my mother would say every time, I need more time. <laughs> oh, my God. He turned beet red. 
beet red. And then, and then my mother would go, okay. Oh, good. All right. Good. Finally. I'll, um, I'm going to have, instead of um, an, uh, an appetizer and an entree, I would like two appetizers. Uh-oh. <laughs> then he looks at the waiter like in a panic, like he's completely, he, like he wants to take her and throw her out a window. <laughs> oh, what she's trying, then the waiter got it, you know, but he goes, yeah. what she's trying to say is, tell them, Lee, you're saying you don't want your appetizers at the same time. You want one of the appetizers as an entree. <laughs> That's right. And the guy'd be like, yeah, okay, ma'am, I know, I understand, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't she, the first one to think of that. I'm going to have coleslaw, and then I just want um, um, the shrimp scampi appetizer. Who wants the shrimp scampi when we get our entrees? <laughs> That's right, I'll have the coleslaw when they have their salads. You're right. And he was just so fucking angry, like, 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 why can't you be normal and just order appetizer and entree? And sometimes she'd order the entree before the appetizer. <laughs> she'd go, I'll have shrimp scampi and the um, coleslaw. <laughs> but she wants the coleslaw first. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, how the I don't fuck know am I in this family? This long with this going on. <laughs> Oh, my God, and this waiter, and he's looking at these two in there. Oh, my God in heaven. And then all of a sudden, he grabs her hand and put, brings her to the dance floor. Now they had a live band. Yeah. Friday nights at the at this place. What the fuck was the name of that restaurant? It was in Hempstead, Hempstead Long Island. And, the, they, and they had big, thick, old curtains hanging. It was an old... Did they have a band, or was it just... They had a drum. They had a drum and two... A drum and two pieces, like a... a, 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 (laughs) And the drummer looked like he was half dead. Like an Abe Vigoda type. Like, we'd just been at the... You know, like, he's playing in him. So it's like, just a fucking nightmare. And it's like, you know, some, like, ballroom dancing, horrible music. And these two are tripping the light fantastic. <laughs> or the, what is it? Tripping the light fandango, whatever the fuck the expression is. No, it's is. fantastic. You got it right. Is it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like fox trotting or whatever the fuck they did. And one of a sudden my dad's like twinkle toes. <laughs> like you had to see it. It was like, th- th- it was unbelievable. I'm sitting there going, what the fuck planet am I on? He's just yelling at her about coleslaw and shrimp scampi. <laughs> And telling me I'm a moron. I never in my entire time going to that restaurant looked at the menu. Never once. I didn't. I was afraid to. I would shit my pants if I just ordered whatever he ordered. <laughs> I didn't want to eat a duck. I fucking love. I love little ducks. I won't eat duck to this day. I, I, I see a duck in a duck pond. I go, I would never eat that. I don't give a shit. I don't care about the Mediterranean diet. I don't care that I fucking lack protein. I'm not eating that. Jesus Christ. And then when I came home from college and these two signed up for square dancing, they're going three times a week and they come down in their efforts. My mom is where my mom was already like, you know, 50 something years old, comes down with those. They look like little girl's shoes and the big, like puffy skirt. Yeah, that that and, wide skirt. And my dad's wearing um uh, uh, like a. 
looks like a like a like a Mr. Green jeans or something like a farmer with a with a bolo tie and a check shirt. I go, what the fuck? And they're like, what do you mean? This is our square dancing outfits. <laughs> like I'm an idiot. <laughs> and they'd leave the house and go I square dancing. Dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> And my mother would get like, hot, like it was every night was Halloween, <laughs> and then and, and then my, when my, my mom would come home, she looked like she'd just been fucking uh, like beaten up or something. Because it, <laughs> it turns out my dad was yelling the whole time. When the guy they did how that many, three times a week, it never got better. How many times couldn't he say? My father could be so bel- belittling and demeaning. Because he prided himself on the fact that he had memorized the calls. But my mom, you know, my, my mom's strong suit isn't memorization. She's smart about some stuff, but not that. And like he, like he treated it like it was a science, you know, it was like, the guy says, the call, you gotta, you gotta, we've done it 20 times. (laughs) Ben, I forgot. How could you forget? I mean, my mom looked like Annie Oakley getting belittled by Roy Rogers. (laughs) I said, why don't you two go knock on some doors, see how much candy you can collect. (laughs) Big poodle skirt. My mom had saddle shoes. You know, it was like a a get up. was it, the saddle shoes? The black and white shoes? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I was like, oh, you two look ridiculous. You know, this is the 1970s you're talking, man. Vietnam War and shit just ended or something. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It's all weird. Everything's weird. And now I see them all old and a mess. That's why it breaks my heart when I see my mom like this. Like, this is our old age. I told you, I mean, now she's not eating. But my, my my daughter gets them to eat. I told you, did I tell you she had ice cream the other day? Yeah, you told me ice cream and pizza. I was in shock. Yeah, just because uh, Ashley said to him, you know, Grandma, I hope I make it to 94 because I'm going to eat like a fucking pig. <laughs> she goes, you are? She goes, yeah. Why don't you have some fun? Now's the time. I know I'm doing that. The kid was right. Every meal is the last meal. It would be like, you know, the prisoners. Give me this, give me that. Because I won't be here tomorrow. Yeah, my dad had tremendous anxiety in life. I think he always felt inferior inside. I didn't know that, but that's why he, like, was so afraid of, like, the restaurant and him not looking like an expert. Because he had an inferiority complex or something. Yeah, I'm like, this guy, it was, you know, he was uptight. The moment he stepped out the door every day, and that lasted yeah. all day until he got back to his home, and he got that Rob Roy. <laughs> Calm oh, down. yeah. Hey, Jeff in Connecticut. Uh, You're on the air. Yeah. Howard, Robin, first off, I just want to say, massive fan. I've listened to you guys since 96. You basically raised me, Howard, so thanks so much. But I'm just wondering, when, when you were raising your daughters, was there ever a moment, because I got two daughters, I got a 13-year-old, 15-year-old, was there ever a moment after an event where you're like, oh, my God, I sound just like my dad. And if your daughter oh. ever had a radio show, they would say the same thing. about My daughters, like well, let me tell you something, to be serious for a second. 
I didn't know, you know, here's the, here's the thing about people with parenting and why they should teach parenting in school. Uh, the reason they don't is because kids would wake up and realize what they're not getting from their parents. So that's probably why they don't, because it'd be a massive uprising. You know, the, the, the thing is, I always thought my parents were the perfect parents. I had deluded myself that they knew what they were doing. Well, you didn't so deluded I, yourself, Howard. They were the only parents you had. Exactly. I didn't know any difference. So when I yeah. had kids, my kids were young. I didn't, I thought you're supposed to be like my parents. Like this is good parenting. Well, somewhere along the line, I don't know, but I thank God. And maybe because my marriage was falling apart or whatever it was, I went into therapy and what an eye opener it was. I was lucky enough to have a good psychiatrist and I said, holy shit. I want to be like my parents. I mean, in some ways I did. There were things that I admired about them and certainly, you know, there was a certain um, responsibility they took for their kids and, you know, then all that stuff was good. But the the way they interact and stuff, I go, oh, shit, I don't want to be like that. And you can't, you know, that's why I'm a big advocate for therapy. You know, sometimes the the uh, psychiatric community is much maligned in this country and people are ashamed and they think no one can help them. But I'll tell you, it really helped me with parenting because I, I didn't have a clue. And, um, you know, I, I pride myself on having a good relationship with my kids. And uh, and it's only gotten better as a result of therapy. Honestly, I think it's a I think it's a good thing to do. Because I didn't realize anything, man. I didn't realize why my dad was so uptight in a restaurant, man. He, it was because he had anxiety. You know, I, you know when I realized my dad had anxiety? JD has never been, like, my dad never went to restaurants. And JD, he just started recently asking for substitutions at restaurants. He has he tons do of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, he, you know, he, he grew up like shitty and he, he never knew <laughs> what the fuck. Mm, well, I don't know. You're, you're fucked up. I mean, in the best of <laughs> ways, I, mean, I love you. You're messed, messed up. up. And did he, like, and one of the, when he told me the reason he didn't ask for substitutions at the restaurant is because he had too much anxiety. It kept him from doing it before. It would, he would, he, uh, <laughs> the first like, time he told you, me, what would you have that well, you would have wanted to substitute? Okay. I'll tell you the story. So we were, I was at a restaurant. We're at a restaurant and I wanted to order the duck. All right. But I didn't like the side. The side was like, you know, broccoli rob or something like that. You should so, get French fries and peas. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at the other items and the only other thing that had a decent side, I thought, was the filet mignon, uh, which had a potato side. So, but I didn't want the filet mignon. I wanted the duck. And so I was, <laughs> I stared at this menu over and over. Everyone else is like conversating, like having a conversation. And all I could think about is, am I going to get the duck or the filet mignon, you know, based on the size? And then finally, uh, you know, I, 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 t I said something to someone and, uh, they actually spoke up for me when the waiter came over and said, Hey, you know, you know, what do you want? I go, well, I'll get the duck. And, uh, and then the person said, well, can you replace the sides for him? And uh, the waiter said yes. And uh, yeah. Meanwhile, so, how uh, old were you when that happened? <laughs> that was, uh, it happened like last year. So right, I was gonna uh, say for, last yeah. week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, just, uh, well, I get worried about like you know people spitting in my food or whatever. Like you know, uh, uh, so you know, 
some of these restaurants, the the chefs, they take. They, I I feel they could take offense if you don't get the the whole. You know, so that's my own thing. Yeah, really. Yeah. So my point is, he had so much anxiety that some guy had to speak up for him. Yes. Yeah, a grown man. Yeah. He didn't ask for potatoes. <laughs> yeah, my dad. The, the first time my dad ever went to a restaurant because he grew up so poor is my mom took him to a Chinese restaurant when they got first got married. She go and she'd be like. My mom would always like say, she would tell the same stories over again. She'd go, your father had never been to a restaurant. <laughs> Listen to this. I took him <laughs> to a Chinese restaurant. He didn't even know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That must have made him feel good. Yeah, but, oh, well, that's my mom. My mom loves to tell stories that humiliate you. <laughs> Are you kidding? The doctor said Howard was smiling like a mongoloid. <laughs> Mom, you think maybe you could drop that story from your repertoire, especially when I introduce <laughs> you to a girl that actually desires me? <laughs> Are you kidding? My son wanted to play guitar. Can you believe this? Yeah, I remember when he wanted to play guitar. He came home <laughs> from college. Up on you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to go out and buy him a guitar. Yeah, remember when he had the clarinet? He couldn't even play it. I had to buy that. I bought it from a guy I knew, and then he wanted to play piano. He couldn't play a note. That the <laughs> piano teacher used to hide from him. He, oh, I, I, I would hide from the piano teacher. He'd come looking for me afterwards. He'd say, Mrs. Stern, your son, I want to stop giving him lessons. I said, no, I keep teaching him. That's right, but I had to deal with him. He didn't want to do it anymore. Now he wants the guitar. Oh, yeah. I took him. I said, you're going to do guitar. We're going to go to Baldwin, and there's a music store. You'll take lessons. He said, Ma, I don't want lessons. I marched him right over there, <laughs> and I walked in, and I said to the guy, my son wants to play guitar. He goes, Mom, what are you doing? I said, never mind him. Where's the guitar teacher? And I sent you right down there to play the guitar. And when you came up, you were smiling. And you said, Mom, that was good. I'll go back again. Ah! <laughs> you know, and I was kind of proud of myself. I was playing guitar a little bit. And, uh, but then, you know, I stopped, I stopped playing the guitar. You know why? Why? Every time I'd say, hey, I, I play a song and she'd go, I gotta tell you a story. Oh, no. <laughs> now, mind you, nobody else is there, just me. Yeah, she gotta tell you the story you already I, know. I, she come up to my room, see me with the guitar, she go, You remember I marched you into Baldwin Music? You remember? <laughs> I go, yeah, Mom. Let me tell you, you didn't want to. You go, Ma, I don't want guitar lessons. Well, I marched you right in. About That's why you're man. not a musician today. Oh, she sucked the energy out of me. <laughs> I go, really? Do you have to tell that story to everyone? 
Is that the is that the memory of me? What you did? Just imagine you would become Eddie Van Halen, and she'd still be. No. Telling you that oh story. yeah, yeah. Be, I took him to Baldwin Music, and there was a guy there, and I said, no. "He says to me, uh, Howard says, don't talk to the guy." I said, "Never you mind. I'm gonna <laughs> take those lessons." I mean, whatever I did, there was a story about what she did. Yeah. You know. She was the hero of everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I said, Howard, you need to do transcendental meditation. Well, I brought him over to the transcendental meditation center. And those teachers looked at us and they said, oh. Son bringing mother to meditate. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> mother bringing son to meditate. <laughs> and let me tell you, you benefited from it. And I marched you right in. You said, Ma, I know everything about meditation. You didn't know anything about it. And I marched you in there. And they all thought you were bringing me. Ah! Wow. I mean, uh, by the way, on our phone is the chef that was there the <laughs> night that JD substituted <laughs> Great. broccoli rub for potatoes. What was that night like for you, chef? Uh, bonjour. It was uh, horrible for me because I said, <laughs> simple, the simple food, the side is meant to complement the meal. So you, you know what I do? It's my favorite thing to do in the world. I piece in these nerds potatoes. I love nothing more than to piece in a nerd food. And then I laugh when I watch him eat it. <laughs> it's great. I love it so much. J.D., uh, the chef says the night you got substitution, he pissed in your potatoes. Uh, very, uh, how were they, J.D.? <laughs> and, you know, I, I drink uh, so much Armagnac the night before, so it's a combination of Armagnac and my piece. Also, I tell him, I see this uh, fat, uh, how you say, fat. All right, all right. All right, we heard enough from you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, JD, uh, do you think you could ask for a substitution now? Well, actually, the uh, sort of uh, the thing happened this past weekend. We were at an Italian restaurant, and uh, I wanted, <laughs> it was either chicken parm or uh, what was it? Some other the the pasta uh, shit, some other type of pasta. And uh, she said that she could substitute the the the. I guess it's it's not it's spaghetti that comes with chicken parm. She could substitute the. Uh, that pasta with the instead of the spaghetti, so she did that. Now, that you know, JD, nice. you had JD. a conversation about that. You yes, did. JD, yes. The I, I, got, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I want to give you a hug right now. I wish I could just, <laughs> I could just wrap you up in my arms and give you a hug. That, the way you just told that story I indicates know, to I me, know. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Try to simply say what happened if you don't. Well, I, I got caught on the other type of pasta because I couldn't remember what it was. Um, I had it was I wanted the chicken parm, but I didn't really want the spaghetti, so I almost got this other type of pasta, 
uh, instead. But the waitress said she could substitute that spaghetti with the other type of pasta with the chicken parm. I was like, oh, thank you. That's that's uh, what good. was the other type of pasta? I can't remember what it was. It was the, it's like uh, it's the pasta with stuff inside. Usually um, I can't think of it. Uh, stuff shells. No, it's it's not like it's not ravioli, but it's something like that. But I, I can't think of. I got to give you a bigger hug. Tortellini. Now. I got uh, a. I got a tortellini. tortellini. I, I can't remember. It's one of those. I got. I got. I love this guy. I got to tell you. I want to <laughs> tell my audience right now. I, you, you know, I don't know how the fuck you got through life. Thank God I gave you a job. I don't I know mean, either. And yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, really. But I don't right? know how it came up. He doesn't tell me. We, How the waitress or waiter knew that you wanted the different pasta. Well, I told her what I, you know, the chicken parm or this. And she said, oh, well, we can substitute that type of pasta in with the chicken parm. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's how I it see. You, you say I see, Robin, but I know you don't. I know you <laughs> I don't see. Lying I, right I do now. I bother? Because <laughs> I'm listening to the same thing and I go, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's fantastic. <laughs> Was it rigatoni? Maybe you had. Maybe I got. Let me look it up. Hold on. Let me look, look it up. I want to know. I want, and then I'm going to teach you how to tell that story. I'm going to give you a hand. No, that's not it. Let me see. Tortellini. That <laughs> wasn't the tortellini. Oh no, it was the tortellini. It was tortellini. Okay, that was. So it. you go like this. I went to the restaurant. Yes. I don't enjoy spaghetti. I wanted the tortellini as a side. So I yes. said to the woman, with my chicken parm, can I get tortellini instead of spaghetti? And she said yes. That's it. Story okay. over. Everyone gets it. I don't it. know if that's what happened, though. Well, I'm trying to give him an, an He's idea. He's trying to simplify, know. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I still, you know, like, how did you say I'm either going to get the chicken parm? Yes, or yes. I'm looking at the dish? menu. I was going, I said, I, the waitress was looking for my order, and I said, hey. I want the, I didn't say, hey, but I go, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, I want either the chicken parm or the tortellini, uh, cause it was like, uh, in, uh, like a sausage and stuff like that. And, uh, what she said, well, you know, I think I could get the, replace the, get the tortellini in with the chicken parm. And I was like, oh, okay. That sounds good. So I tried it. I, I, listen, I don't want to be a downer. But maybe you should skip the pasta altogether. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I, you, you know okay. what I'm saying? I, I, hear, I hear The tortellini? That's the more fattening <laughs> yeah. pasta. Uh, JD has not exercised since returning from the Super Bowl. And I have to know this because I check up on it. <laughs> might, might have been before that. So. Yeah, are you yeah. putting on weight like crazy? Yeah, huh? got to get in your routine. Are yeah, you putting on weight like you put on no, weight? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more like I'm stabilizing. I'm not, I'm not going down at all. Uh, I'm not going like crazy up, but like, I'm still, like I measured, I did my, uh, weighed myself the other day. I was 212. Um, so. 212 and how tall are you? 5'8 or 5'9. Not good. Five, not good. Maybe replace it. Maybe when you're talking to that waitress, you go, how do I get a salad instead of pasta? <laughs> tell you. Yes. Hey, Vey, is me. You got to get in shape, bro. I mean, I would, hey, w were you watching fucking Anthony Kiedis singing yesterday and then he took oh, off yeah. his shirt? That oh, guy's Flea? 59 years old. And Flea, and you see the Flea jumping around? I'm glad you're saying that because he was bouncing around like a 25-year-old. Oh, do yeah. You, do, were you inspired? Like, like I went afterwards, I went, oh, shit, I'm going to get in fucking shape. Were you inspired? Well, 
even before, yeah, well, yeah, of course, I, I would like to be in shape, but uh, I didn't do anything after, so it didn't really inspire me, I guess. But, uh, no, whenever, uh, w- uh, you know, Flea was jumping around, but also even before they started playing, like, he was stretching, and he could just reach down and touch his toes. Like, he was... You just- can't do that, right? <laughs> I know. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. That, you, guys, you got to watch the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the app. I'm talking about the whole interview. It's just really, really interesting. And, 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 oh, and uh, hold on a second, will you? Here we go. Who's that? Everybody, world famous, Seth Rogen. How are you, Seth? <laughs> Howard, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> I haven't even smoked yet today, and I don't understand a word he's fucking saying. <laughs> What's you know, Seth, guy? <laughs> Seth, I got to tell you, sometimes what I do with JD, I just say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I really don't understand what he's saying, you know? I mean... Uh, what yeah, can I, tell I don't you? understand what he's saying either. He's like, what the fuck, dude? Maybe he needs to smoke. Maybe I've, I've, tried I've tried that. I've tried patterned up. <laughs> uh, the only thing I understood, Seth, was that uh, uh, J.D. was talking about Flea touching his toes. And I was thinking, J.D. hasn't seen his toes in years. I don't know. Yeah, he uh, doesn't know he has toes. He hasn't seen them. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah, no. Is, is this guy fucking high? <laughs> I wish. Seth, how's the uh, b- bong business? Uh, not you know the marijuana business going. I see. I follow you on Instagram. How's everything going? Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I made it like a really uh, like large uh, vase the other day. It's pretty sweet. Are you still doing <laughs> the the pottery then? Yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking chill. Like it's far less stressful than like making movies. The fucking making movies and shit takes. Fucking forever. It's like I could make a vase and just be like, "Oh, there, there it is. I made a fucking vase." It's fun. You know, I was going to compliment you, Seth. I've been watching you. You look absolutely handsome. You've lost a lot of weight, and uh, that's why I was saying to JD, he's so heavy. I'll tell you a story about JD. The other day, he stepped on his TV in his new office and he broke it. Right? Oh, Didn't what? you? Well, yeah. I was trying to put, I got a TV stand and I was trying to put a TV stand. I, you know, I had to lay the, the TV down and I uh, accidentally stepped on the back of it. I didn't even think I stepped on it that much, but, uh, you know, these high def TVs or whatever, you step on it a little bit and it freaking cracked the whole goddamn thing. So, Seth, uh, does he have a way with his story or what? <laughs> absolutely i still have no fucking idea what he just said <laughs> i'm actually gonna get high right now just to clear my head <laughs> oh fuck okay now jd why don't you fucking start again let me see if that helps <laughs> i i had the tv i laid it down on the ground uh because i had to put a tv you know i had to hook the tv stand thing onto it and, uh, and I accidentally stepped, I somehow lost my footing or whatever, and I stepped on the back, and it ruined the TV, so I had to get a new TV. <laughs> this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna smoke again and try this one more time. <laughs> Howard, is this guy still talking about fucking putting up his TV? <laughs> no, I'm not going to let him. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, I, the, the point was that um, uh, it's, he's heavy. He's gotten very heavy. The <laughs> other thing is that JD has a poster of 2001: A Space Odyssey in Italian behind him. For some reason, it's in Italian. Why is it? Why is that important to you, JD? Oh, it wasn't important. It was just I was looking up big posters, you know, because I like 
you know, I see people with big posters and, and big, you know, things of art or whatever. And I thought that was kind of cool. So I was looking up just big posters and I saw the 2001 poster and well, uh, you know what, that was good. whenever I talk to like you, fucking Godzilla, he's fucking stomping around the room, fucking breaking <laughs> fucking televisions and shit. What the fuck? <laughs> I'd have to be so high to do that. <laughs> well, all right. I don't know why it's in Italian, but it is, and it's the only thing I see over JD's head. I mean, I see well, the Cincinnati the flags and the poster, yeah. the uncut yeah. gems poster. That's, okay. Does he even fucking speak Italian? Like what? What the fuck? <laughs> no, I don't speak Italian. <laughs> It doesn't speak English, then. <laughs> he can't speak English. He can't speak Italian. He fucking... He's like a fucking big Godzilla stepping on shit. Like, what the fuck? Dude, destroys everything in his fucking path. Like, what the fuck? Wow. <laughs> well, uh, Seth, good speaking to you. Anything you want to... Uh, you're working on some movies and shit, and I guess... Uh, I have a podcast, uh, just like everybody else. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty chill. Uh, I'm doing lots of tutorials. Um, uh, yeah, I have a, like a thing now where like, I'll just do like a tutorial on anything. Like you could just like, I could solve your problem. Like, um, you, you want to know how to fix a carburetor? I'll teach you how to do that. So yeah. <laughs> mm, cool. All right. All right. Yeah. Nice do you want to try it? You could ask me anything. I could give you a tutorial on fucking anything. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just want to hear you take another hit. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, I'm fucking high. All right. All right, so now I'm going to fuck with your head. I'm going to have JD explain the plot of 2001 A Space Odyssey <laughs> since he loves it so much. And, it's, and you know, it's a pretty I don't complicated. Think can explain that plot. Explain why you enjoy that film so much. Just to fuck with Seth's head. Uh, well, I I like Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I like how it looks. It's a, a great looking movie. Um, yeah, it, it, and uh, God, am I explaining the plot or uh, no? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, I know that. But uh, yeah, it starts off <laughs> with like the dawn of. Uh, the Dawn of Man. All right, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. What kind of pasta <laughs> did you order at the restaurant? Totally. All right, totally. All right, all right. Well, all right. The movie is great looking, and I understand what you're saying, I guess. All right, it's, Seth. It's thank, entertaining. Thank you. Yeah. Seth, thanks, man. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, later. <laughs> what an honor, J.D., for Seth Rogen to stop by and talk to you. Yes, Seth, I'm a fan. Well, well there's a couple as... of other things in JD's room. What is that picture of that's John Hine. to that, that's not John Hind sitting on the desk or the the bureau or whatever that table is, but there's a picture next that to is, the poster. That is of uh P. Rose's four thousandth one hundred and ninety second hit. Ah Cincinnati. <laughs> yes. We love Pete Rose. And then above that is a picture <laughs> a fake picture from uh, Dumb and Dumber of Jeff Daniels uh on the, on the toilet <laughs> frame. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I mean, I, yes. Go ahead. I'm not so well versed in Dumb and Dumber, although I've seen it a few times. Uh, what did you want? The I mean, no offense to Jeff Daniels, did a fine job, but wouldn't you want Jim Carrey scene? Nah, you know, uh, I mean, he's no, sort that, of the that, movie. I mean, that <laughs> the Jeff Daniels is shitting on the toilet is such a uh, iconic part of uh, Dumb and Dumber that it's it's funny. So. It doesn't. It 
it doesn't have to be Jim Carrey. Although, listen, I love Dumb and Dumber, so. What I love about your whole room, the motif is, is like, kind of reminds me when I was like 12. You know? Yes. <laughs> well, I am 12, yeah, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. All right, I love you. I'm going to give you a big hug All if right. I ever see you again. All right. All right. No, thank you. I love you, too. Yeah. All right, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Sylvia in Alabama. We love talking to Sylvia in Alabama. What can I do for you? Hey, Howard. Good morning. Good morning. I um, One of my favorite movies is Project Park, and... I, I watch it, I mean, well, when it first came out, I guess a lot, but I just realized that you're a real person, and so is Robin and the whole gang. I thought that the movie was like Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman. I didn't realize that you were a real person, and um, until yesterday, when I found your station on my satellite radio, and then I spent all night Googling, and I I just hate that I've missed out on listening to you for, like, the last 20 years. Well, wow. Sylvia, that is an amazing story. Um, first yeah. of all, not only am I real and Robin is real, the only one on the show who isn't real is Fred. There's no reality to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sylvia, it's funny. Making, I've been reflecting a lot on making that movie Private Parts. Because uh, the guy who really I uh, owe it all to is uh, Ivan Reitman. He was such a mentor and an inspiration to me when I was uh, trying to put that film together for four years. But, you know, the, the, the um, I always thought that that movie would be my best ambassador for going into these markets where I wasn't on the radio. And, uh, you know... I yeah. was going to say that I forgive myself a little bit for, for not knowing because there's no way, you know, in the late 90s that I could have listened to y'all. There was no station available in Alabama. Right. Yeah, it was weird for me. I The thing I hated most about being on the radio was that I wasn't on in places like Alabama. It It drove me absolutely insane when I would think like, gee, David Letterman has a national show or or Jay Leno has a national show. Or Regis Philbin has a national show even. And I'd sit there and I'd go, you know, I'm doing some interesting things, but so much of the country is missing it. You know, it's 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 and so when I put out the movie, quite frankly, there was this huge explosion of people going to see it. That we did bigger business in the markets that I was on the radio than Star Wars, if you can imagine. And um Oh yeah. And, 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 but in places like Alabama was where I wasn't on the radio, people had no idea who the fuck I was. And it made me crazy that, you know, they wouldn't see the movie or nobody cared about it. But, I, you know, I would think when I was on America's Got Talent, you would have realized maybe that I was a that real person. You were person. real, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, so I have to tell you that that's, I hope I don't get in trouble, but that's not a show that I watch. Right. Like even like if I went on Letterman or I, yeah, that's the problem with my kind of fame. I um, I have I what I call spotty fame. Like I, I if I walk around Long Island, I can't walk anywhere without people sort of uh, you know noticing it's me. But I'm sure if I went through Alabama, everyone would be like, "What the fuck is that?" Well, I know I live um I live on the coast, 
so you could come here and we have white sand beaches and you'd be completely anonymous. <laughs> so the downside to that, though, is... Uh, I don't want to be anonymous. That's, that's right. Yeah, he's not looking oh. for that. <laughs> I'm not one of those celebrities that goes... Um, you know, I love these celebrities that are interviewed and they go, you know, I just can't take it. I... It's too much. The fame is too much. And I go, fame is too much. You ever try going to Alabama for me, man? I'm like, Ooh, I, I, all of a sudden, I'm back to being a regular person again. I'm waiting online. I mean, what the man, fuck is fun, this? Huh? No, it is not. No, oh not being famous sucks. <laughs> uh, it does suck. But yeah. I think that, uh, you know, with what your show and your team, all of y'all have to offer, you know, folks in Alabama, I, I wish that you, that you came on the local one of the local stations because it's so important i think to sort of expand your horizons you know and mm. and there are other channels besides fox news and that sort of thing <laughs> yeah well all right sylvia well good to have you aboard here's the nice yes, thing about i'm these... glad you now know we're real people here's the I nice know, thing thank you so much. Y'all are also amazing actors, and now that I know that you are real people, I cannot believe that you didn't win Oscars. I mean, because again... I can't either. I Quite frankly, I should have won. <laughs> I, now you hit into something, and I'm not making a joke. No, I'm the not film private parts. I, I, the film private parts should have been nominated for an Oscar. They wouldn't do it because because it's me. It, it, you know. But the film was that good. There was, name a film that was better that year. There wasn't. There wasn't. Just wasn't. I don't it was a remember really what solid else came out film. that year. Paul Giamatti was brilliant. 20, he he should have yeah, gotten best supporting actor. Yep, I t yeah. I totally agree. There are not many movies that you know are twenty years old that I'll watch a couple times a year. So nope, <laughs> it's my go to. Yeah, movie they still run that thing. They still run private parts. In fact, yeah, I got a check the other it day. All the time. Do you still get residual I've checks? I got. I got a check for like. Um, I think it was three dollars and seventeen cents the other day. <laughs> I cashed the thing. Why not, man? I'll take anything. I um, don't even know if I get residual checks. I get residuals. It means there's running somewhere, and film's twenty five years old. And uh, you know, what can I tell you? It. Uh, I think it holds up. The only place I got an award for private parts was something called the Blockbuster Award, and they went right out of business. They went out of business right after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it because they gave you the award? <laughs> Could have yeah. been. Could have been. I don't know. The whole fucking business <laughs> fell apart. It was crazy. But, uh, well, welcome, Sylvia. You know, Sylvia points out in Alabama she had no idea. You guys know there's a war in Ukraine, or that hasn't hit you guys down there yet? <laughs> I'm, right. I'm aware, but you know, that again, you never know about the rest of the state. So thanks, y'all. Have a great day. Right, you Sylvia. too. That's Sylvia. One says, of my uh, friends hey. just told me that her son was, or her daughter was going to uh, Alabama to see a friend. I was like, why would anybody do that? <laughs> What's well, in Alabama? Did you know Alabama had beaches? I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I've learned? I swear, one of the um, one of the nice parts of my career was I had to move all the time, and no matter where I lived, whether it was Washington D.C., Hartford, uh, you know, I did radio, Detroit. Uh, I found that people were essentially the same. I, I know that sounds weird, but you know, I made friends wherever I went. I hung out, 
uh, you know, some towns have more stimulation than others. I didn't care about any of that. I never, you know, I never go in New York. You never uh, partook in the stimulation of a town. No, no. Like people go, don't you love Manhattan? I go, well, not really. I don't leave my apartment when I'm there. I'm there only for work. <laughs> and they go, well, what do you mean? Did you go to the restaurants? Hey, I go, yeah, I love the restaurants. And they go, well, don't you go to theater? I go, no. Do you watch movies? No. Do you go to museums? No. I don't, I don't. Um, so when I went to Detroit, it seemed that my mother would go, it's Detroit. It ain't the Big Apple. And I go, I kind of like it. I kind of like Detroit. I mean, the people seem friendly. I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't exactly all charmed with the Big Apple, but my mom was such a Big Apple snob. Like she was like, not that she took advantage of much of it either. Well, she did. My parents always went to theater. They would go to uh, different things. They, you know, they were. I don't know. I guess, I guess for me, when you don't leave your house, everywhere is the same. And uh, all I yeah, know it was, depends on if you like your house. That's what it depends. On. Yeah, because I remember in uh, like in Detroit, the only place I went was from my apartment to the radio station. And some days I'd go out, and there'd be fucking 15 feet of snow out there and i'd be yeah. off my car and i'd say well oh this is different there's a lot of snow and that was the only difference you know <laughs> i mean every town looked like my living room honestly <laughs> I'm, I'm not an adventurous guy i don't you know one of the things now that i'm a painter i have to go out and take photographs of things to paint and i won't go out beyond like my my backyard so pretty much i've been painting my backyard lately (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean that's amazing and then one time i asked uh robin's guy uh, captain dennis send me a picture of robin's backyard i'll do a painting of that Uh, he'll paint my backyard (laughs) yeah right so that's you know i I don't know i just don't go anywhere so everything seems to be the same i don't know i uh what can i tell you john go ahead you're on the air in maryland hi there first time uh caller long time listener um Curious about you were talking about JD's weight. Have has he uh, been scheduled to see Doctor Now of recent? What's that tapping going on? Yeah, do you have a chicken with you? What's going? Oh. On? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm parked on the side with my hazards on. I'm trying not to drive off a cliff here while trying to you oh. know get my call in. But uh, sorry about that. Has JD seen Doctor Now? No, yeah, this guy's had a ping pong match. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where uh, are we? On the farm? Is there a yeah, bunch of chickens? It's, it's, it's very concerning. It's his, haz- uh, it's his hazard you know, lights. Doctor- <laughs> you like Dr. Now? Is uh, that what you're saying? Yeah, Dr. Now, the, the famous, he has changed lives, you know, and I, I think JD is, is due for a um, a health check. The best thing Please. about Dr. Now... Filet mignon, J.D. Filet mignon. Yes, filet <laughs> mignon. Filet mignon. Filet mignon. Uh, yeah, J- uh, the best thing about Doctor Now is when you can't understand a fucking word he says. And he's I lecturing love, you. You're supposed yeah, to love, be under, able to understand this lecture. I love when Chris does Doctor Now. In fact, we have a meeting on Wednesdays. This week we're doing it on Thursday, but um, we have a meeting on Wednesday, and Chris is sometimes in the meeting, and I'll just go, just do Dr. Now, and I'll talk to you. 
I mean, in the meeting, I go. He makes his. He should make his suggestions as Doctor Now. He's like, I he have an change, idea for the show. He should change his voice to Doctor Now. You know, I was thinking about you, Chris. You should just talk to like Doctor Now all the time. Never ever be Chris anymore. Just become Doctor Now, because it's so funny. And why not? Have you ever given? I any just I to- just changed my old, the old persona. I'm gonna be this now. Not gonna be Chris. He's gonna be Doctor now. You hire even Doctor like, now. Even like when you're picking up dudes, um, you know, on that <laughs> app. When you're on that app, you should just like hey, be Doctor. No. You, you, how big your cock? You got big, <laughs> big penis. Let me see. You wanna go do the jerk? I'll see your cum. How much you shoot? Just big load you got there. You're doing the work. You big cock, big veins on your your cock. I love this. Give me that and a shoot on my fuck, shoot on my mouth, my teeth, my tongue, please. Wanna suck your <laughs> cock? Drink, drink all your your cum. Do it. You don't even try. What is wrong with you? You you call this cum? This is not even a load you got there. Stop Doctor this. Now, Doctor Now, how many guys do you fuck a week? I mean, how many how many guys are you with? I uh, easily in one week I fuck. Three, four, seven guys. If it's a good week, if it's right. if I'm having a good time, I do eight, seven, six, uh, eight, or four cocks. And one, do you ever have, uh, one cock, jerk the other you, cock. Do you ever have a phone sex with one of these guys? I mean, because sometimes yeah, you can't get be on there. The, say, well, hey, listen, how y'all doing? What are you wearing? You, what? You, what? You, how big is your cock? I want to see. Rub that against the phone. They go. That's his penis. I say that's good for you. You're uh. doing good job for me. I'm gonna go on a diet. Only come, just uh. come every day. Just that's it. That's good. Good way to lose the weight. How many calories are in one load? Do you know, Doctor? One now? load, you get. It depends on the size of the load, but it can be three, four calories. Good. You have eighteen loads a day. You're gonna lose the weight. That's what you need to do. In other words, if you just eat, come. And maybe a glass of water with it, uh, you'd probably lose a ton of weight, right? You have come in the morning, then that's good protein and only low calorie. Then come in the lunch, same thing. Then if you want for dinner, you can eat a bit of ass and have a bit of cum. <laughs> this, you're going to lose a lot of weight. You don't even need weight loss surgery. You do. Right. And, 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 and so, so, so you say like it would be almost like, uh, unbelievable to just eat cum. It's pure protein. You and, can uh, use cum as salad dressing. You don't need rock for it. You don't need anything. <laughs> just use the cum as a like oil vinaigrette. That's from your cock. It's natural. It's organic. <laughs> Why are you putting all this shit on your salad? You just use a bit of cum. You're going to be fine. Do you get frustrated with these clients of yours, these patients of yours, because they're so fat? And you, I know you yell at them sometimes. Your lecture is unbelievable, and yet sometimes it doesn't work. What happened, the problem, with the, I go to the camera away from the fat people, I say, the problem with Stephen is he's not telling the truth to himself. He needs psychotherapy, but until he wants to uncover the real reason he's eating, I don't think I'm going to help him. Oh, well, maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> it's a great speech. It's very, it's, very I great. tried. The trick to good speech is you don't really change the tone of your voice. 
almost as if you're reading. You just look and you try to be as insincere as possible. And then you end up with, oh, well, maybe next Doctor, time. Doctor, now I understand on your TV show you were very insulted because the first couple of years they would put subtitles under you. And uh, you, you, you <laughs> demanded that. ridiculous. Because when I speak, first of all, I am Iran. But my English is very good. So when I speak Latvian and don't understand, that's because they're ignorant. They're American. <laughs> they don't even give culture. So right. how you don't understand what I'm saying when I speak English like you speak English? It's ridiculous. Right. Well, okay. They're there racist. Go. Now go they're talk gonna to. They're going to be fluent. They just be like, yes. You know what I'm saying. You understand when I say about come right. out of my Absolutely. mouth. Absolutely. You know yeah. it. You know it. Robin knows well, it too. <laughs> right. She knows. Oh, she knows. She acts like she doesn't, but she knows. Yeah. She knows everything, believe me. Well, listen, go talk to JD, see if you can get him to lose some weight, will you? Yeah. JD, you need to eat more cum. This is going to be good for you. <laughs> Don't substitute with potato. That's starch. You need to substitute with the cum. You'll be very happy. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good advice from JD. Eat more cum. Uh, there you go, Dr. Now. Thank you. A for little bit of ass for dinner is okay. <laughs> Uh, a little <laughs> for dinner so you can digest it. Uh, I love it. That sometimes I'm in best. meetings. Sometimes I'm in meetings and Chris just like, uh, I'll go, just do doctor now. I can't handle it anymore. I need a break. Uh, there you go. That's a lot of fun. You know, I just realized I was talking about Derek and Juliana Huff's TV special. Yeah. I didn't play this last clip. I love this one oh. because... This clip is my favorite. This is where they not only, the special is over, and now they're congratulating themselves on the fact that they did a special. They got is, it done. Yeah, they got it done, and it was like, <laughs> wow. And and so they finished dancing. They danced to all the different movies they love. And then again, they bring up the fact that, can you believe we only did it in 11 days? Right, again, like, right. this is my problem. Like, if you put on a TV show, why would you only have 11 days? I, I wanted to put my hand through the TV and grab them so I could ask them and say, <laughs> why do you keep saying you put we only had 11 days to put this special together? Certainly, that's an artificial deadline. No one is. I mean, it's who was who was waiting for this thing? <laughs> yeah, like like Bob Iger was like, I'm retiring Derek and Juliana. Or what do they call each other? D and Jules. You know, yeah. I'm retiring, D and Jules. And before I retire, I need a special from you two where you're dancing to different movies. But we only have 11 days. Wow. I can't believe we made it. We're I... literally here at the end of the night, the last <laughs> performance. And we did it. I know. And what were you thinking, by the way, trying to do this in 10 days? That was crazy. Uh, whatever. I would never steer you wrong. Uh, yeah. And I know things. <laughs> I'm just saying. Can you believe, though... Watching all these movies, all these dances that inspired us. Mm -hmm. As we're kids at home, yeah. we're kids, and we're here, and we did it. And I honestly wouldn't have <laughs> wanted to do it with anybody else. Mm. I, I love you. I love you too, D. D. You know what? I just wonder if they go home and shoot up heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with that, but for them, I would agree with it. Yeah. There's such lovely. Uh, brother and sister they're just you know can you believe we did it in 10 days i told you we could do it it's just i guess my commentary is i can't believe entertainment has turned to this but well listen i guess things go full circle we're back in the 1950s
Yeah, that was so great. We're back there. So fucking stressed out too. I did I tell you that? Uh, I mean, I don't, they they they're doing a memorial service for uh, Ivan Reitman and um, Jason Ivan's son, who's a great film director. He he asked me to videotape a message because I can't go out to L.A. I'm sequestered due to uh, COVID. And I normally just say no. I never would do this, but it's Ivan, and Ivan, you know, helped me with the movie private parts. So I can't say no, but I'm so stressed out about it because, first of all, what the fuck? I mean, I don't even know what to say. First of all, there's probably going to be people like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bill Murray there, and all that. You know, all those people who did movies with Ivan, right? And if I guess if I was there in person, I could read the room, but. To suddenly be on videotape when all of those people are sitting there. I don't know. the Like, are they crying? What's are the they tone? making jokes? What's, yeah, the, what's yeah. the tone? Like when I did, um, the only other person I did something like that for was Joan Rivers. I did her eulogy. And I could read the room. You know, I adjusted my thing to sort of reflect what was going on. So, you know, I could end up being the douche. They put the, the video up and uh, all of a sudden I'm being serious and everyone else has been like really funny or I'm right. the funny guy. And then they're like, wow, that was inappropriate. Right. So I but I couldn't say no, you know, because then I'm a dick, but I'm dreading it. So I've been like taking notes and writing down my thoughts about him. And, and the real thought is. It's not particularly funny. It's just, it's, it's genuine. I am so honored that this dude, Ivan Reitman, one of the best filmmakers, in my opinion, ever lived, uh, comedy wise, for sure. Uh, I'm so honored that this dude, he, he embraced me. He really, really was a fan. One of the things that, um, Jason told me was that when he was going through his father's stuff, he found, a. Uh, Ivan's old cassette tapes of the show. He used to he used to record the show so he could listen to it on his long drives before we had the app and all that stuff. We were on regular right. radio, and um, the fact that Ivan Reitman not only uh, treated me like I was someone important, but that he not only took the time to read my book, but that this guy called me on the phone in one brilliant phone conversation, got the whole movie where there were 25 other scripts and 25 other people and executives and, and no one could figure it out. And he just laid it out in three seconds. Like he literally said, here's the story of your movie. Because the movie wasn't, the, the book wasn't sequential. It was just a bunch of right. stories. He saw a storyline and I went, oh my God, that's brilliant. I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. How does this guy do it? Like, 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 I didn't see that. He saw it. He saw, he saw scene by scene by scene kind of. And then in that one breathtaking conversation, he goes, I know a guy, Lenny Bloom. He's a writer. He'll, he knows how to write. He'll send me the pages every day. I'll edit. I got this. And he said, the only thing we got to do is, uh, get Reicher Entertainment to make a deal with Paramount because I'm, I've got a deal at Paramount, but you know, there was business to be, you know, Call my agent. I go, oh, my God. Ivan just laid out the whole thing. I was beside myself. And then when I got to work with Ivan, I was like, oh, man. Like, this is one of the best filmmakers in the world. And he's he's wasting his time on me. I mean, this guy actually believes in me. This guy 
in other words, we only have so much time on the planet. And he could be doing anything he wants to, and yet he wants to devote himself to this film. Like his time. And I guess at the time, in my own arrogance, I didn't even realize how big a deal that was. And how it made me feel like I was in show business. Like, I never felt like I was an insider. I always felt like an outsider. I felt like nobody really embraced me in show business. But that was my own doing. I was fucked up. But Ivan was, like, calling me and going, yeah, here's what we're doing. This is it. I got these pages. I'm going to send them to you. Tell me what you think. I want you to sit for a month with Lenny at your house and write and blah, 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 blah. And just talk to Lenny. Let him know. And, I mean, Wow. It was unbelievable. And and even after the film, I'd say to Ivan, you know, I, I would I would call him. He became like a father figure in a way. Like I would call him up and he would talk to me about like shit in my personal life. Talk to me about the movie business. He offered me uh, a lot of a lot of advice on things and. Even when my marriage was falling apart, he was one of the guys I spoke to about it. Such a lovely man. And such a, a guy who was proud of his son. And uh, he overcame so much. His early childhood was really messed up. And he was just really, really... I knew he liked me because he, he rarely yelled at me. Um, Ivan was prone to... Um, really take off on people who weren't performing and uh he could be very very vocal and i knew this about him but he was very kind like maybe the only time he really kind of had a you know he went you gotta memorize your lines <laughs> i go i didn't know that he goes you're in a movie you don't know you got to memorize your lines i go i didn't really know that i've never done a movie before he goes go upstairs and memorize your lines I was talking to somebody else who no. was involved at the time that we were doing, you know, and you were getting together private parts and all that. And yeah. I said, Ivan was such a nice person. Yeah. He said he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, he was nice to me. <laughs> yeah. That's all I know. No, Ivan could be, I, Ivan could be a bear. I know that. But, um, I didn't know that because I only no. saw this one side of him, but it was just funny that he was really like immediately. It was like he was. <laughs> he took this stuff very seriously. You knew if yes, you hired he did, Ivan, apparently. he was going to. This was because these gonna... were business conversations they were yeah. having. Yep, yep, yep. And he was he was great, even when when it came down to, I didn't know anything about movies in terms of how you promote them. And how you um, go to the marketing department and you got to talk to them about, you know, how much money they're going to put into promotion. Uh, Ivan was like, this is what we got to do. Boom, boom, boom. You know, he he spelled it out for me. And he was very kind. And I would fly to Los Angeles, you know, a couple of times a month when we were editing. And I would sit there with him and watch him do his craft. And man, oh man, was he good at it. But... Well, maybe that's got, the tone. You set the tone. You just say, look, yeah. you know, I don't know what's going on in this room. I couldn't be there with you, but this is who Ivan was to me. You make the speech and uh, I'll just sit next to you. That's what we'll do. <laughs> You're good. You're a very good public speaker. I've seen you in action.
Well, I see you. You you carry your uh, load. Mm. <laughs> you you usually pull it off. You know, you have to eat like seven loads a day to lose weight. Or <laughs> you can eat a little ass with dinner. Yeah. But you yeah. Eat your loads. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, Ralph, get busy. You have to pick my outfit for my my speech yeah. for Ivan. I would like to be dressed uh, appropriately. Think. Um, what is the tone you're going for? What like? Uh, what story are you telling? Yes, <laughs> my outfit. By the way, once again, Robin, I, I don't mind giving a uh, free plug because uh, they. This is this more uh, new outfits. This is OTD. I'm wearing a jacket. Oh. OTD. If you can see, with an OTD T-shirt and uh, my my look is very sexy today. It really is with my. Oh. My hair, my afro pulled out. Time has not diminished your beauty. <laughs> no, it hasn't. I mean, my God, you don't get to be this hot. I mean, exactly. but anyway, you want me to stand up so I can model? Yes. Walk okay. around like you do for me. <laughs> oh, does he prance around? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, he has to see how I look in different positions. <laughs> He's got to see it in motion. Yeah. Maybe I'll wear this for the Ivan Reitman Memorial Service. Well, I was going to say, seriously, you shouldn't stress about it. I mean, you got this. I am stressed. I mean, no, I don't. What, what, yes, you because do. Because what, what I did was I wrote down a bunch of stuff about Ivan in my little journal. And then I made a collage of Ivan. I made I, I printed out a picture of him. And I I really got into it. And I, I did like a... Woman. a yeah, what? turned into. He How thinks because I journal, I'm feminine. Look who's talking. Look, I <laughs> anyway. see this as a production <laughs> yeah. now. We yeah. we look at some of your uh, uh, pictures, and then yeah. we see your journal, and then uh, the camera opens on you. But think about something. Think about this. Think about it for seriously. The guy who did who who produced Animal House, then went on to direct Stripes. Meatballs, um, twins. twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. What was the one with uh, um, uh, the one where he goes to the White House? Uh, oh, oh, uh, God. What? Dave. Dave. Dave, yeah. Dave is fantastic. Dave. The guy who made all those movies, Ghostbusters, directed Ghostbusters. The guy who did that loved me. I mean, he... He gave his time, his energy, and his his spirit but to me. What, and, what I, I, and I can't believe that I got to be friends with him. Say that. Well, you know, for you, it was like he stepped out of show business and came and got you. Yes. And put you in it. You make the speech, Robin. I'll oh, stand there. Sorry, like a, you, no, you know I'm what I'll do? Interpolating. I got it saying. now. I got it now. I'm going to sit on your lap, and you're going to work me like a Jerry Mahoney dummy. <laughs> and you're going to you'll do ventriloquism. That's it. I'm bad. I don't like making speeches. You're so good. You don't, but Stop you do it, it so good very it, well. I don't like it. I, I, I don't like speeches. I don't like making a speech on video when I can't see the people in the room. Uh, Fuck the people you know in the what room. I'm, Do your thing. It doesn't. You matter know what, what I'm thinking room. of doing? I'm thinking of um, maybe grabbing my guitar and doing an acoustic version of "There Goes My Hero" and uh, dedicating it to Ivan. That would be awesome. Oh, 
<laughs> There goes my hero. Oh no. He's ordinary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know. I think you talk about how you like he. What I always strikes me is when you talk about like how Ivan called you and say, "I know what this movie is," and you were struggling with that movie for so long and doing yeah. rewrites all and right, all this no. stuff. But then it's about me and blah blah blah. All right, that's all okay. right, all right. That's okay. I mean, it's you. Maybe I'll hold up. Maybe I'll hold up my residual checks. Three dollars seventeen cents. Three dollars. Right, thank you. Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ivan. I just got three dollars and seventeen cents. And you know Bill Murray's going to kill. I mean, I don't know if he's saying it. I'm sure he is. And then I get competitive. Yeah, I mean, that's a. There are a lot of amazing people to choose from to talk about Ivan. It's right, and and you know what? Anyway, it's it's. The request came in, and I'm hanging around my neck like an albatross because I'm not going to. I don't know. How about not worrying about how you'll be evaluated? No, oh, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> I don't have I don't have enough money for Fuck psychiatrists people, to get rid of Howard, that. They're not you. All I care about is how other people feel. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, look who it is. You were in one of the greatest Ivan Reitman films of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are you? Oh. Howard, Howard, please, you've got to go to Hollywood and you've got to go to this funeral. Please. No, I'm I'm not leaving my house. I'm not. I'm but not. I, if you don't go, I, I need someone to console me, Howard. You know, I'm a tough guy physically, but emotionally, I'm a weakling. I you love Ivan. Ivan uh, yes, I got to tell you does. something. You put Ivan in the greatest film. Uh, Ivan put you in the greatest film ever. When he when he said he was making a comedy with Arnold Schwarzenegger, nobody believed he could do it. You know, now yeah. we look at the film and go. But when he when he did it, forget about you starring with Danny DeVito. Nobody thought that would be a hit. I was this big muscular guy, an action hero, and then Ivan made me funny. It's nearly impossible. This guy. Oh, my God, Howard, please, you've got to come. Uh, uh, if you don't oh, go, I have to bring my pony and my donkey as an emotional support <laughs> animal. Come on. Well, well, listen, I'm not going, but I do love Ivan. And believe me, you should, too. And uh, I know you well, do. I know you do. Don't make me have to bring Tom Arnold as a date. I can't be vulnerable with that guy. Oh, come <laughs> on. I don't want to be a sobbing mess. All right. Thank you, Arnold. There you go. Anyway, I'll get to work on it, Robin. You'll do fine. I still like the idea of sitting on your lap and having you work like a dummy. <laughs> I'm very sold on that. Um, by the way, a lot of people wrote in also. I never finished the uh, email. Many people were happy to see that Benji has a new therapist. Yes. I'm glad to see Benji is see seeking help. I actually felt bad for him. The other day, and again today, when even Robin said she felt sorry for what she said. Hopefully this therapist doesn't fire him, which has been known to happen with Benji. Howard, do you think Benji will take therapy seriously? Does he have it in him to work on himself, or is he a sociopath? Um, no, he's not a sociopath, in my opinion. And uh, I think that uh, Benji will come out of this on the other side. A and and fully... lined up a husband and father? 
That's right, Robin. I believe it'll happen by the time he's 75. As someone who's in (laughs) therapy, I can tell you it's a slow process. Um, One fan has a theory that is shocking to me. Benji seeing a new therapist is all a big hoax. Listen to this. There's no new shrink. I'm calling bullshit. It's just a new topic for Benji to get more airtime. It's just another show ruined by Benji. I don't believe that for a minute. I no, he couldn't that. be lying about this. He 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 really needs to talk to somebody. That's right. He I better be so. talking to somebody. Right. Uh, let's talk to Dan in Pennsylvania. Dan, what up? Hi. Good, good morning, Howard. It's a real pleasure to speak with you. I wanted to. Well, first of all, I called about the chili peppers. But real quick, if you just speak about I'm Ivan from the heart the way you just did, you're going to be just fine. All right, that's what I'll do then. I'm going to take your advice, Dan. But I wanted to talk to you about the Chili Peppers. I've been a long-time listener, and every time I think you can't top yourself, you go right ahead and do it. Uh, yesterday was a special day. You have the full band, just a regular conversation to hear them talk about things they've never talked about before. And John Frusciante, who is notoriously quiet, shy, and non-spoken, he got him to, to talk about things I never thought we'd hear him talk about. I just wanted to thank you for such a special, you know, to let us be flies on the wall for it. Well, it's a funny thing. Everyone uh, before the interview said, you know, John's going to be there. John Frusciante, who, as you know, has uh, b- has left the band twice. And then, come, you know, when he comes back, it's a big deal because he really is an essential part of that band in the writing process and a great guitarist. Uh, everyone said to me, you know, uh, don't be shocked, but John Frusciante will not talk. John will not talk. John will not talk. I said, John, John will get comfortable. He'll talk because, uh, we're going to be, um, we're going to be celebrating the band, blah, 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 blah. But honestly, I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe John will talk. Maybe he won't, but I know fans were anxious to hear from him. And, uh, let and me no, tell you, no I've never met anyone else that's been in that band, but th- there's nothing like the four of them. And, it, you know, we sort of waited through COVID to have them back. And yesterday to me was like the coming out. It was like, we have that version, the, the firing on all cylinders version of the peppers back. Well, I'll tell you what, that version of the peppers is that to me, that's the essential red hot chili peppers. And, um, you know, uh, John, I had never spoken with John. I never interviewed John before, but uh, he was a chatterbox yesterday. And I was thinking to myself during it, I go, what's everyone talking about? This guy's got a lot was to say a about joke? music. He doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, why, why is everyone claiming he doesn't talk? So uh, well, I enjoy You have a power to make everyone feel comfortable. And that's that's the magic of what you All do. Right. Well, there you go. There's my power, Robin. I finally have a superpower. It's not flying. It's not heat vision. It's not, not x-ray even vision. Farting. It's, you get John Frusciante people comfortable. Yeah. No, not people. John Frusciante. My oh, superpower okay. is making John Frusciante. <laughs> uh, what can I tell you? They, what a power to thank you, Dan. Let's go to. Um, oh well. Anyway, there's a lot to get to. Let me let me tell you about a few things that are going on. I, it's fun talking to people. Um, you know, one other thing occurred to me about Ivan Reitman who passed away. The funniest thing of all is, I um when uh. I was never really sure who Ivan Reitman was. What, I, what I'm saying is, I remember seeing Ghostbusters. And, you know, it was uh, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. And one of the actors was, um, what's the guy's name? Ernie Hudson? Uh, not Ernie Hudson, the other Ghostbuster. Oh, Alton, oh, oh. Um, white dude. Harold Ramis? Yes, I, Harold Ramis. 
That's the name. Yeah, yeah the couldn't director, think of the name. He acted in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing the movie, and Harold Ramis is one of the Ghostbusters. And I, I don't know where I was at, but I thought that was Ivan Reitman. I thought Harold Ramis was Ivan Reitman. <laughs> and I remember when I first met Ivan, I was like, wait a second. That's not Ivan Reitman. <laughs> or something happened. He drastically You're, changed. He, he, yeah, he, that's not the guy from Ghostbusters. I was confused. I didn't realize they were two <laughs> different guys. <laughs> I have no clue. So I was just like, oh, fuck. Oh, okay. He's somebody different. And then I, <laughs> you know, I figured it all out. Well, that's a good anecdote. I'm a little bit slow on the uptake. What can I tell you? Oh, so I was going to tell you that um, this is just a follow-up. There was a whole discussion with Ronnie, the limo driver, about a G-spot. And Ronnie falsely claimed there's no such thing as a G-spot. You know, he was being his usual sex expert self. Oh, yeah. And he all. dismissed well, the G-spot. Well, I just want you to know we followed this up. We did some G-spot research. <laughs> and it led to a shocking revelation that when you're talking about a woman's vagina... That in addition to a G-spot, there is now something called the A-spot. So there's not only a little something going on in the vagina you're supposed to mess around with to give a woman pleasure, but the A-spot will give her uh, pleasure as well. There's a lot going on in the vagina that people didn't know about until recently. So yes, according as I to, was doing some research, they said there's several spots. Well, but let me tell you something. settled on the G and the A. According to the research, uh, you're right. There are several. You look like a leopard inside of your vagina, Robin. You don't even know it with all these spots. According to Dr. Kate Balistrieri, there is an A spot. It is the anterior formix erogenous zone, and it's located deep inside the vagina between the cervix and the bladder, two inches higher than the G spot. Well, you know, they certainly give these things some... Some sexy names, don't they? <laughs> they sure do. Here's an example of a woman's G-spot being stimulated. Uh, uh, uh. This is an example of the A-spot. <laughs> you got to find these things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whack-a-mole in there. You got to, um, there's a bunch of pervy scientists out there who are researching as we speak. That's right. Get in there and move around is what the uh, lesson is here. Here is a woman having sex with me. I've, this is called the H spot. <laughs> a little self-effacing joke. According to Beth, though, I really do get the job done. <laughs> she claims I do. To the point that I gave her a urinary tract infection. She should come down and tell and brag a little for me. But maybe I better not get started. Maybe you may never get a chance to do it again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> By the way, uh, as long as I'm talking about Ronnie and his uh, pure his uh, poor understanding of the G spot of the vagina, the vagina. The guy sent the me G spot. I had no idea that Ronnie is a superstar. He attended something, the NHRA four-wide national drag race in Las Vegas, and he ended up getting interviewed on Fox Sports 1. I thought I should share really? that with you. Yeah. Ronnie was a big star. One of his uh, race car buddies. Excuse me. One of his race car buddies. 
you know, invited him and he was being, uh, you know, he was in the fancy suite. Don't ask. And Ronnie was showing off on this interview on Fox. He oh, yeah? uh, talking about how he was in a suite, blah, blah, blah. He's drinking vodka. This I is mean, the this interview? Is some... By the way, Ronnie, you got to learn how to say vodka. He goes, I have va vodka and soda. Vodka and soda. <laughs> you got to hear this. It's the best. Here's Ronnie. How'd you end up there? One of your little racing car buddies, huh? No, the guy, uh, Ron Caps, who's an NHL ra racer. He's been on the show, not on this show, but on the wrap-up show a few times. And he's a fan of the show. Yeah. And uh, he's been inviting me for years to come out to the, watch him race. And I, I just never was able to, you know, fit in the time when, you know, he was Busy. in the area of, you know, watch to watch it. I could never go to race. So uh, when he came to Vegas, he called me at the beginning of the week and he said, I'd love for you to come out and, you know, see the whole deal, watch them, you know, build the engines and the whole thing. So I went. Can I tell you great, something? Had a great time. So no, Howard, it wasn't one of his racing buddies who invited him. <laughs> No, it was the guy. The guy. Of course, it's of one of my racing buddies who invited <laughs> yeah, him. I said he's, he's a fan of your show. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> I said and, that and already. Fox, and Fox tried it when they interviewed me. They tried to talk about you, and I said I'm not here to talk about Howard. I'm here to you know. You should have talked about me. No, Why not? you don't like when I do that. You don't like when I do that, and I so I didn't do it. I didn't even mention the show at all. Well, I mentioned Vodka and yeah, I soda. Can't, I can't do. I can't do anything right. You know? <laughs> oh, you do everything right. Yeah. Believe me, I don't like when you do interviews, period. But okay, as long as we got it. I was, I was supporting the guy, man. They interviewed me about him. They tried, By the way, they tried to talk about you. When I saw the video of you, I said, what the fuck's going on with Ronnie? He looks so different. What, we what spent did he 20 like? Well, honestly, he looked very old in the interview and the huh? pictures that I got from the event. And I went, Ronnie doesn't look that old. But I realized what it was because everyone was saying it. Ronnie gets dressed up for these race car events. And he's wearing like a, a racing cap and a, yeah. and a racing shirt. A and hat. Yeah. No. I was, here's the reason I was wearing the hat. That's what makes me look older is that fucking hat. And I know it does. Yeah. It so it was warm out. The sun was strong and I didn't want to get burned on my head. So but I you know what it was, on. but also the shirt and everything. You look like a 12 year old kid. Like you dress like a 12 year old kid who's going to Disneyland. Oh, and I'm supporting and the, the, the guy wearing his shirt. Big deal. Yeah, but the shirt they didn't fit you for Christ's yes, sake. It so does. You, what are you oh, talking dude, about? Oh, dude, look at that. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. It just saying. Okay. Everyone said you, it's because you dress like a, a little kid. It's a fucking T-shirt. I don't know, Ron. It, I don't get you it. You got to get a T-shirt that fits. No, it fits. Believe me, the shirt fits. Okay, I'm wrong. Sorry. Whatever. It's impossible you're to right. give you advice. You're, you're it's impossible right. to just say something and have you just leave it alone. No, I won't leave it alone because there's nothing wrong with the T-shirt. The T-shirt, the hat, looked like you were in line for a, the teacup ride at Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> a 72-year-old boy. Why? Okay. Like a Whatever. little boy. I, listen, I had a good time. That's all that mattered, okay? All right. So here's Ronnie's big interview on Fox. All right. And you the, know guy, what else and the guy won. And the guy won, too, which was great. Well, you're his muse. 
Now you, you know be a good luck charm. You have to be I, at every I was, race. I was his good luck. He, cl- he even said it in one of his interviews after yeah. he won yeah, Ron. qualifying. You're, yeah. you're a talisman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll put you on the end of his keychain. I yeah, did his, a little Ronnie. I did, pre- I did his press conference with him also afterwards. I like how you act like you did the guy a favor. Like, look, I did his press conference afterwards. No, he Let's invited see. me to come to this press conference because he claimed I was his lucky charm. Okay? Yeah. So I, I did it. I was his lucky charm, and Stephanie eats lucky charms. See the, oh see the true line? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ronnie Puppet, you were like a geriatric cheerleader. You won the yeah. race for this guy. Look, all I know is my whole body was shaking inside, like when Stephanie shoved a dildo in my ass. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You're so, you're, you're, for once, you're right, Puppet. Well, anyway. He's the uh, world champion, Ron Caps. That's right. I want to just, um, I just want to point out, this is Ronnie's interview on Fox. It's a world exclusive here. And uh, I noticed a couple of things. Ronnie was having a hard time getting the words uh, vodka and soda out. <laughs> and also, um, when Ronnie gets nervous, his voice kind of shakes. He gets like oh. all shaky. I know this yeah, because, about him. Yeah, because I, they had just run the run uh, down the track and I was standing right there. And to be standing there when they run those cars, your whole body shakes. And that's no lie. You ask anyone who's been to one of these races. And By the way, down on the starting I noticed, line. Ronnie, I noticed, uh, I wonder if you'd comment on this. When the, when the, when the guys on Fox were like showing the race, it is so much like gas fumes and smoke and yeah, I, 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 bet you, I bet you it's nitro. nitro. Well, yeah. it's like, it's got to be when you're breathing down there, it's probably like breathing in like 50 packs of cigarettes. Am I right? Yeah, it, it, it makes your eyes tear actually like really bad. And oh, so what I like try, what I find. What I tried to do was, you know, turn away from it when they, you know, started the engines and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and try, I tried to hold my breath, to be honest with you. And that's why, that's why I was so shaky altogether between that and, and the, my whole body shaking from the vibration of these cars. Wow. What kind of racing is this? It's different than uh, the normal racing? It, it's NHR drag racing. It's, it's it, the four wide napper event. No, it's no. It wasn't the four wide napper event. It was the Vegas race where they run fuel a dragsters. They run running cars. They run pro stock cars, and it's uh, it's just a quarter mile straight track. Okay, because I was going to say it's not in an oval. It's a no, no, no. Track. It's a quarter mile drag racing. Yeah. All right. Here's like Ronnie's used, big I interview. I used to do it when I when I was a kid. I used to do it. I my own car. Ronnie is fun. All right, here's Ronnie's big interview. I know people are anxious to hear it. Here you go, Ron. This is your big moment. Speaking of Ron Caps, Ron Caps pulled a whole shot at me this week. I reached out to a guy who I know just moved to Vegas. He's part of the Howard Stern Show, and Jamie's with him. Ronnie Mund, who you may better know as Ronnie the limo driver from the Howard Stern Show, out here supporting his friend Ron Caps, experiencing four-wide NHRA drag racing for the first time. I know you've been to NASCAR races. What is your perception of the power that comes from 44,000 horsepower? Well, all I know is my whole body is shaking inside and that kind of scares me but uh, i'm enjoying it it's a lot of fun first time i've been out to the line over here and it's really been cool the first run i watched up in somebody's suite had a vodka and soda a lot that was a lot better but this is much more fun being down in the action great to have ronnie bond out here this weekend for howard stern fans pretty cool moment there is ron caps 
No more thoughts of Ronnie, the limo driver now. He's looking at Dean Antonelli, his crew chief in lane one. I got to tell you, there's so what much to so dissect. Te- what was so terrible? What was so terrible about that? Well, no, there's a lot to ask about this. First of all, I have the feeling that they must have said to you ahead of time, Ronnie, we want to talk to you because you sounded like you, you were jamming in a lot of thought there. What was like, why did you bring up the sweet, the vodka and soda? And why did you bring up like, I was in a suite and that was great, but this, this is, is great. better. Yeah, no, well, it's, wait. It's, <laughs> that was a lot better, but this is more, a lot more fun being down in the action. It's the first time I ever been down to the line here. <laughs> yeah, why the backstory that you were up in a suite? Yeah, really was cool. that to impress everyone? Hello, no, there were two different, there were, he did two qualifying runs. The first qualifying run, he said to me, go up to my buddy's suite and watch from up there the first one. And right. see how it, to watch it from up above and see it go, you know, that way. And then when I do my second qualifying run, I want you to come down to the line with me and be there for the whole deal. And that's what but I like, did. Who so mentions I, I was in a suite and I had vodka and soda? Who yeah, mentions that? It was, I mean, it was a joke. It was a joke. That's the joke? Boy, I forgot Ron to laugh. laughed. <laughs> oh, oh, <stop> <laughs> I was just trying to bring out that I was enjoying the day. Is that okay? All right. All right. I got you. Great interview. The, guy was, you could the say, guy was very nice. The guy was very nice to have me up to his suite. You could say anything Phil, like Phil from Palmer I was Electric. Up there that, in that the stands. And watch the first one, and then I came down here to be on the line to watch the second talk about one. Vodka. And down here is the, much li- more the fun. line over here, Robin. Remember the line <laughs> over here. Yeah, I was just pointing out I was more comfortable up there having a vodka and soda, watching it from the suite. I wasn't Let's having see. vodka and soda vodka when I was de- or soda. Oh, stop, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Of all the things, you know, Ronnie has tremendous knowledge of racing. He really does. He yeah. loves the sport. He knows cars. This could have been his big moment. Like, he could have, like, said to them, you know, I'm, I'm used to watching blah, 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 and this is a type of tire. I did say that. A... No. no. No, I did say that, and they re- t- they reshot it again right afterwards. Something they, I, obviously, I said about NASCAR, and I had mentioned uh, that I was, you know, I always go to the races to watch Kurt Busch run and all that kind of stuff. They, they scrubbed that whole thing. And yeah. I was talking about all kinds of different racing. They scrubbed that whole thing and started all over again. Really? Why would they do Well, maybe they, that's their competitor it's, or something. being too specific about Bush and this one and that one. No, but I wasn't Instead of just talking about racing in I, general. No, I did no, have No, shorts. no, not this time. I'm talking in general. And it's startling when we see you like that, with the skinny legs, chicken legs. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look the part. You're Ronnie the limo driver now. People are looking to see you. It's almost like an appearance when you go somewhere. Yeah, you're like a mobster. Mobsters don't wear shorts. Like you know, yeah, you ever see up. Tony Soprano wear shorts? No, no, not out in public. Always wore long pants. All right, but anyway, Ronnie, what was the serious question you wanted to ask? Me? I, I forgot already. You, you, All right. Oh. It I was just saying. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I know what it was. I know what it was. I don't understand why you keep on the same topic of me being unhappy here in Vegas. I'm I just, I was doing I a setup. I don't, don't you get, get it. what I'm doing. You get what I'm doing. I'm doing a setup for a bit. I don't get it, dude. You wouldn't keep saying. Oh, look it. who, it, it, Ron. Look who it is. Apples. 
Yeah. Good hey, Apples. Hey, now, Howard. Hey Love now. to see Ronnie back on the Instagram. <laughs> one one question I had, those big, scary cars, I didn't see him wearing any type of hearing protection. Had yeah, Ron, didn't you once Ron? I had oh, you earplugs. Yeah. Oh, he had earplugs. Yeah, but those cars, you need some over-the-ear stuff. Like, that'll, the vibrations can make you deaf for as close as you were. I've been to a couple of NASCAR things and NHRA. That's right? not, first of all, it's not NASCAR, so you don't even know what you're it's talking It's NHRA. About. My dad used to race in HRA, Ronnie. Yeah, you, you, you do, you've done everything. I know, I know. We'd be good friends. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, where was it sounds like you had the same upbringing, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frighteningly close. Where was Stephanie? Well, Ron? you know, uh, all jokes there? aside, Ronnie claims he lost 20% of his hearing at a race once, so I hope he was really. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I did. did. Yeah. I went back about 10 years ago. So there you, you go. You can't play games with your hearing, Ronnie. I mean, if you, you know, if you, you shoot guns, if you like helicopters, stuff like that, that's just loud. I was in the aviation industry. You can really uh, <laughs> now he was in now, now he first he, now he, he he was in drag racing. He sells trailers, <laughs> and 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 yeah. now he, he was in the aviation industry. Yeah, you you know, no, you're a man, guys. and 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 the worst stand-up comic ever. Yeah, he, he, guy's busy, busy guy. And I was a limo driver too, Ron. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear. All right, well, guys, why didn't Stephanie come to the race? Because Stephanie was having a party with her friends at the house. Really? Nice. What? Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear more. Oh no shit! Were they yes. painting again? What kind of party? No, they were having a pool. No, they were having a drunken pool party. Stephanie was. Uh, no uh, shit! When you got home, was every all these chicks in bikinis and stuff? Yes, running they around were. Your, and they were all wow. lying around the pool. I had, <laughs> I, had dri- I had to drive them all home. <laughs> Dude, you didn't get anything nice. going, like a threesome or anything? No, no. Yeah, my friend, uh, these are my friends' dude. wives and girlfriends. He's oh, got to look bad. at those dudes again. Oh. <laughs> How'd the wives stack oh, up in the bikinis? Were, Was, were all these great. girls like, they were hot, they, they were wearing great. bikinis? They look great, man. Look at you, but with Any the guys? pool and the young chicks and the running around in their Best bikinis, huh? Yeah. Wow. Any guys there or just uh, the nope, girls? Just girls, all girls. And you? No, well, no. When I I got home, you know, like five six o'clock, they started drinking at eleven thirty in the morning. They had a uh, all day party going on. Wow! <laughs> Did you get lucky? Hefner, you Hefner lives. And they had a good time. Mm-hmm. They were celebrating yep. Stephanie's new job, so they had a blast. Nice. Well, I, I, I'm, How about I'm the- happy for you. Ronnie, did you get any? Get some from Stephanie? Dude, if I wouldn't answer a question that you asked if my life fucking depended right, on it. There you go. All right. Thank hey, you, Apples. Ap- enough, enough, enough. Yeah, yeah enough Apples. Yeah. All right, Ron. All right, congrats on that. And no, I know okay. you're happy in uh, Vegas. Stop it. Okay. Oh, it's a, a guy joke. named Brian. Yeah. A guy named Brian claims he works at Fox Sports. He can explain why Ronnie's first interview was dropped. For real? Okay. Brian, for real, yeah. you're a dude at Fox yeah, Sports? Yeah, Brian is the guy yeah. that was, he runs the tr- yeah, uh, TV thing. He runs the TV so, thing? Yeah, yeah, the, he's well, in the I truck. He, the, he's an announcer. Yeah, I'm, the lead anou- I'm the lead announcer for NHRA, so I'm, I'm the voice you heard throwing the interview down to Jamie on the starting line. Okay. And so, so his first interview got crushed, and it really wasn't his fault. Um, 
basically Jamie framed the question up and she asked Ronnie, is it crazier to be in front of these, you know, incredible cars or was it crazier to drive Howard around for 20 years? And Ronnie just, I mean, deadpanned the camera and said that he was not there to talk about you. And so he then went on to explain that he was friends with Bush and, and Kurt Bush and everything like that. The guys in the truck didn't quite get the context of, of why he would say that, so they crushed it, and then they reframed the question to him. I knew it. How many yeah. times, Brian? No. Wait, hold on, How Brian. Many, I knew Brian. it. But he, I he knew wasn't it. doing it to be a jerk, though. He wasn't doing it to be a jerk. No, That's no, 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 no. I, I know. didn't think that. In no, other they words. Asked me, no, they asked me about other racing. Do I follow other? We know you follow yeah, NASCAR. Yeah. So why, if yeah. I mentioned that I watch NASCAR and Kurt Bush, what's the big fucking deal? No, they didn't. Why, did they cut, why would they it. cut it that was, out when you guys it was, cover it? You guys cover it was, NASCAR also. Why let him answer. No, let I'm, him answer. I'm ask, let me get the question. Yeah, how many fucking times can you ask the same question? Let the guy answer it. <laughs> so it was it was the initial response. It was the initial two sentences you said. That's then they finished it, then they broke it off because they thought it was like they thought it was just kind of weird and odd that we would set it up like, hey, this dude's coming up for, for Howard Stern. And then you're like, I'm not here to talk about Howard Stern, and then kind of went into your other stuff. Well, if what's you, wrong with that? Said, <laughs> like I said, it was the guys in the truck didn't get it. The guys in the truck don't don't watch or listen to the show, so they didn't understand why you. They were like, Let oh me ask God, you something, that, Brian. Let me ask you. I mean, angry. first of all, why else would you want to talk to him? That's number one. <laughs> number two, how many times in your career, honestly, did you have to trash the interview and re-interview the guy? <laughs> for a you know for a celebrity or a, a personality interview in the starting line it's a fairly rare occurrence okay. yeah, I mean, like never go ahead, brian thank you <laughs> throw me under the fucking bus man. i knew it i knew it i said these guys in the truck must have been going nuts they go what Their the fuck exploded. is with this guy <laughs> meanwhile brian brian how sad is it like you know <laughs> you're at an event you know it's not football it's baseball there's a the big star is Ronnie the limo driver from the Howard Stern show. It's got to, it's got to, you got to start, Brian, you got to start questioning what you're doing for a living. You know what I mean? I do it every day, but that's a, that's a whole different kettle of fish. The, uh, I think the, the thing that was cool about it is so many of us listened to the show out there when we knew he was in Vegas. I mean, I know I reached out to him and, and Caps reached out to him. And I mean, it was just cool for us when he came over the TV truck. I mean, most of the dudes in the truck came, came flowing out and, and, uh, said hello and everything. So. It was great to by have the way, It really was. Brian, by the way, that's a sweet gig. I mean, I know I, I, I was um, marveling at your professionalism. How old a guy are you? I'm in my early 40s. Um, I, I started, and this is going to sound idiotic, but you have been an insane influence on my career. I grew up, I still live in Massachusetts. I grew up listening to you when I was in high school when you would air at night on BCN because they had that jackass that was on in the morning that was terrible, so they'd run your show at night. But when I first started announcing drag races, when I was like in my late teens, early twenties, I used a lot of your model and how I did it, meaning that everybody in the building I was working with was a character of some sort. And I was really honest with the people that were sitting in the grandstands. I wasn't there to make anything up. So, um, you know, you've been a really big influence on, on me, which is maybe weird. Well, you say, gotta, you gotta, you got a good delivery. You got a nice voice, uh, but you're, you, but you have expertise. No, this is interesting to me. You have expertise in racing. In other words, to get a job on Fox as their, you know, lead guy, the, the commentator, if you will, to take people through the race, you got to really know your stuff. Cause these, as like Ronnie will tell you, race car people, they know everything and they don't want to hear any BS. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy job, right? 
Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's something I've loved my whole life. And, and I mean, it's a similar path that you've had in radio where I started working at these like little racetracks, doing little events. And every once in a while, someone would hear you and you'd get an opportunity to take like the next step. And, you know, for like 10 years, I was, I was, you know, I graduated college and I was working, you know, managing truck fleets and stuff like that. while doing all this stuff on the side. Like I, you know, blast off on the weekends and, and kind of take every opportunity I could. So it's worked out, nice. man. It's, a, it's, a, it's, I'm an incredibly fortunate guy. And as, you know, and I love when you when you had Al Michaels on a few weeks ago. It was riveting. I mean, it was he is such a spectacular guy, and and he's so uh, you know he's such a great guest on the show. As is Joe Buck and all these guys. But it um, no, it's great, man. I appreciate you taking the call today, and it was cool to have can Ryan you out there. And- can you do uh, any other sports <laughs> besides race car driving? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm knowledgeable in other sports. I've done, I mean, I've done a multitude of different motorsports things over the course of my career. Um, Stick and ball sports, I, I know because I'm a regular sports fan, but um, definitely, you know, there would, at some point in my life, I would love a, I would love a shot at, uh, at at some of the more traditional stuff. But but racing is where my heart's been since I was a kid. I grew up racing with my dad and everything. Yeah. So. Oh, Brian. Maybe I could get you a job on the Stern Show. <laughs> why are you now? Why are you angry? What's your problem? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. All right. Let, uh, thanks, okay. Brian. Thanks for clearing it up. I knew, I knew deep in my heart, Ronnie must yeah. that they, they, they never do a retake. They Ronnie, scrubbed it. I, they scrubbed it because I wouldn't talk about you, dude. That's why he scrubbed it. They said it didn't make the sense. The first two sentences. That's what he just said. Because I wouldn't do. talk about you. Oh yeah, you were God. peculiar. That's what they were saying, Ronnie. Dude, okay. you are so <laughs> fucking angry. Okay, next angry, time I'll man. talk about. I'll I'll tell you Dude. a whole life story. Yeah, you okay? can talk. Yeah, you're so fucking angry, man. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm very angry. angry. I am. I love Ronnie. I do. Uh, there you go. I love. I love these interviews. I love the whole thing. I could listen to it all day. The Ronnie after. Ronnie world is what it is. It's, it's so great. Yeah, we, we were up in the suite with the vodka and soda, and the <laughs> right. here. I mean, it's just. It's they didn't have any gin, so I had a drink vodka. <laughs> Always great. King of all blacks, go ahead. What's up? Got a vodka and soda up there. Uh, yep. Vodka. Vodka. <laughs> and food. And food. Plenty of food. Oh, you didn't mention the food. Oh, What'd lots you eat? of food. Lots what of did food. you eat? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I had a, I had some salad. and that Basically, that was it. I wasn't that hungry. So I just had a little nice. salad thing. Nice. And a vodka and soda. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and, a, and a can of Budweiser. Yeah, no can of Budweiser, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Ronnie thinks that he dresses. I know he knows a lot about the car racing stuff because he knows a lot about cars. I give him that, but he dresses up like he's in the race. Like you know, he can't be in the stand. Hey, he stupid ass! I was the- wearing like a shirt that supported the guy I that invited me to fucking be there. He was the one who gave me the swag. Yeah, but it's so the way I, you look, your look on your face, uh, like I'm a car driver. You know, it's like, it's so obvious. fuck yourself, you're putting, okay? You did, yeah, but you're down there like you're part of the pit crew. 
I was that day. I was there. They invited me down. The pit crew invited me to come down. Okay. Well, I think what the king is saying is uh, no. The king know. is saying he's trying to just fucking make shit out of nothing. Okay. That's no, I get what he's saying. I don't do that. So that's him. That. That's him. He's, a he's fucking, saying you look. Just, you look. A, you look all, like the team mascot. Bastard. You look like the team <laughs> yeah. mascot. Yeah. yeah. He's the okay. guy. I was the team mascot. Right. Exactly. All right, King. Hey, Thank hey. you. And I want to yeah. ask him something else, too. I went, I was on his Instagram. I love Ronnie. But it looks like his girlfriend is, like, full of energy and she's happy and, and, and all. And he just looks grumpy, like, in the pictures. Well, he that's Ronnie's move. But, but let, me, let me defend Ronnie. Ronnie's always been grumpy. Yeah. I know I'm, the guy. I'm still grumpy. She, yeah, he's, she was he's bitching always... about me yesterday being grumpy. Yeah. That's yeah, his. You're gonna. See? Yeah. Well, if you're gonna hang with Ronnie, you gotta. He's grumpy. I told you, my wife used to. He was. I hired him to be my driver, and she would go, "Excuse me, Ronnie, can you take?" And he go, oh, "I don't have time to take you." And, <laughs> you know, like he's just grumpy. Yeah, but when, but when a woman, when when some women, I don't want to sound like every woman, but when some women start picking at you like that, they're trying to change you, and that's not a good thing. She shouldn't be telling you how grumpy you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're grumpy, no. you grumpy. She loves him. She loves him. Come on. Yeah, so you're just supposed to sit at home and not say anything that's on your mind if you're a woman. No, no, no. <laughs> that, well, yeah. All right, King. Yes. Enough of that. Enough yeah, go of that. stand enough. in the corner. Don't say right. a word. Or I'll smack the shit out of you, which he's good at. Right. All right. Well... I know. Uh, all right, Ronnie. Congratulations on your big interview for Fox. I loved, let's leave it. I loved that. every. Yeah, I loved the whole. Thing. Yes, I know you loved every. I loved it. I, I loved I it. Could, I could really tell. And thank you, Amy Schumer, because <laughs> this is your time, and I'm. I got your time now to be ripped, ripped <laughs> right. apart. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yes, Ronnie makes a good point. Oh, uh, geez, there were so many things I was going to get to. I was supposed to finish the uh, Karen's package. Yeah. With, uh, I actually got to a lot of them. I was playing these people. I also wanted to play this. Uh, let me see what time it is. Real quick. Mm, I got an appointment today. I got to go. But uh, yeah, this is a bunch of COVID deniers. Chris put it together. It's pretty oh. fucking great. It's all people. We who, still have that, even though the world is well ravaged by people. COVID. Yeah, these are people who deny COVID, deny the vaccine, think that masks are bad, and then they die. So it's kind of like, hey, mm. congratulations, you just killed yourself. You were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the pandemic's hardly over. We got the, what is it, the BA2 Omicron variant or something yes. coming up? But um, this is just, you get it. Douglas Kuzma was a, a, a podcaster. He's a, He's on the far right. Chris, tell me if I have this right. The guy ran yeah. a show called The Frog News Network. He was an outspoken critic of COVID vaccines. And then, of course, yes. he caught the virus at a QAnon-friendly gathering in Texas called the Reawaken American Tour. And uh, this guy, he posted a video a few weeks before his death. And in it, he described his symptoms and he touts unproven COVID treatments like hydroxychloroquine. You well, know. if it's yeah. not real, why do you have to take something? 
Well, the other thing was a lot of people from this convention surprisingly caught COVID and they made up this fake story that there was a bioweapons attack and anthrax had been pumped <laughs> through the convention center because no one wanted to believe the obvious thing right. that they got COVID in the middle of an active pandemic. That they Anyway, here's exist. a clip of the guy. Just keep in mind, he's now dead. Hey, everybody, Doug here. As everybody knows, I'm pretty much under the weather right now. Um, after my return from Dallas, I got sick. I'm hanging in there. I'm almost sure that um, I do have, you know, gosh, I hate to say it, COVID. I guess if, if I'm going to go to these shows from now on, I'm going to have to be taking uh, hydrochloroquine before I go for like a week. That way I have an immune built up to it. Even though everybody tries to tell me, make sure you take chloroquine, vitamin, uh, vitamin D, vitamin C. I take all that. It probably would have killed me if I didn't have all that stuff already in me. I, and I'm ready. I'm wearing four patches from LifeWave. I can imagine how bad I'd feel if I wasn't on my patches. I'd be really out of it. Um, doing a lot of praying to God. Um, me and him are getting real close at this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't but know anyway. how they, they got very close. <laughs> the frog news stands for fully rely on God. So there you go, frog. Well, he did. And, uh, he did. Uh, yeah. And those patches is- he said... He- those what? patches he said he was wearing, they apparently, you know, some website sells them. They apparently activate your stem cells to, you know, help yeah. you fight off viruses. Of course. But Robin you know, asked the right question. All these people think they can take vitamin D for a week and that's going to improve their immune system. They don't and know Ro- what a long but, process that is. But the right question which you asked is like, well, why do you take all that shit? Why not take the vaccine? And and, and quite frankly, Fauci well, could it save isn't all- even It doesn't exist, so why are you taking anything? Right. Fauci could save all these people's lives if he just came out and said, whatever you do, don't get the vaccine. It's very dangerous. Then they would <laughs> then they would say, hey, he's trying to keep the vaccine. Him, he us. doesn't want us to take this vaccine. We're taking it. Oh, here you go. Frog News often promoted a healthcare company called LifeWave, which sells unproven wearable patches that promise to activate stem cells and rest them and rest them to a younger, healthier state. Okay. But, right. By the way, you know that just looking work. at the right. looking at the guy, he was seriously overweight. So you, you can wear all the patches you want. It's not going to help yeah. you. You get COVID, and you're and you're not going to improve your immune system. No. In his condition. All right. Next up is former Washington State Trooper Robert LeMay. A yeah, there was a him. video. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no there was a video of him that went viral. He resigned on camera in his patrol car. And basically, at the end of the video, he told the, the Washington governor, Jay Inslee, or Ainsley, who instituted the mask mandate for the state troopers to go kiss his ass. And he was quitting because of that. This is my final sign off. Um, after 22 years of serving the citizens of the state of Washington, um, being asked to leave because I am dirty. This is the last time you'll hear me in a state patrol car. And Jay Hensley can kiss my ass. Sorry, it wasn't a mask mandate. It was a vaccine mandate. He didn't want to take the vaccine. Okay. And, of course, Fox News picked it up. They started running the video. They called him a hero. And he did an interview with them where he bragged that not only wouldn't he take the COVID vaccine, his family doesn't even take flu shots. So he became a hero. So why did you ultimately decide to walk away from the job that you love? Um, my wife and my family, we're, we're not taking it. Um, we don't do vaccines. We don't do flu shots. We don't do any of that stuff. So not taking the vaccine wasn't even a question. Um, the process, how they did it was ridiculous. And making people do this or you're losing your job was ridiculous. The choices that people like you are being forced to make are um, pretty unbelievable. 
Well, first of all, let me just say that Robert went on to contract and die of the virus a few months later, and he was 51 years old. So, you know, and, and the report the, the report of him dying was not uh, any big news. It's just when these, you know, guys get on TV and they talk about, hey, we're against the vaccine. I'm not taking it. And, and, and let well, me point out, too. this is what I wanted to ask you. What did Fox do after he died? Nothing. Um, they never well, I mean, They never talked about it. Uh-huh. He was America, touted as a hero, and then never they never talked about him dying of the virus. We don't follow up with our no. hero, right. No. Uh, and America isn't the only country with anti-vax people. Uh, this guy's Canadian. His name is Max Parar. I think that's how you say it. Anyway. Mac, Mac Parhar. And he was yeah, uh, not, only an anti, not only an anti-vaxxer, but he was also a flat earther. So he had a history of being stupid long before COVID. <laughs> and he was a huge uh, critic of masks and COVID vaccines, and then... He put out a whole bunch of videos on Facebook, you know, railing against all the restrictions. Really this kooky clip. stuff. Yeah. What's this clip? This is a clip of him being so interviewed. He had been involved with COVID since it started. He was going to hospitals and filming videos trying to prove it was fake. He had a yoga studio where he did like a hot yoga cl- uh, yoga class. And he claimed that that would get rid of COVID. And then he wouldn't shut down the studio when there was a COVID surge. And they were asking these businesses to close down. So he wound up getting... Um, a court case because of it. So here he was at the court case because he wouldn't close down his yoga studio and he's outside with a bunch of supporters. They're holding up COVID isn't real signs and he's doing an interview with a reporter who goes There's up. There's 265 deaths in eight months. So we're being scared with case demic. This past pandemic has turned into a case demic. It's all fear porn. That's all you guys are doing. We're, we're being scared. There's nothing going on. We're all here. Nobody's masked up. We're hugging each other. Nobody's sick. We're perfectly healthy. I, everybody I talk to doesn't know anybody I died. And if they, Okay. I know someone. Okay. Yeah. Good, okay. For Good for you. Good for you. You're told they died of COVID. Mm. So anyway, that's all the is... supporters surrounding him laughing at the reporter who says she knows someone that died of COVID. So here's the payoff. This is his final live stream. He made a video complaining of flu-like symptoms, insisting he didn't have COVID. That's his name for COVID. COVID. So here he is. Yeah, so I've been sick for the first time. It's definitely not COVID, because COVID doesn't exist, so I'm not even going to go there. A lot of people are like, yeah, COVID. No, I got aches, really sore throat, a lot of phlegm, uh, hot, I'm like feeling cold. So I'm like layered up, extra layers, a few other so-called COVID symptoms, but... Uh, I haven't been sick in like so long and it just hit me. So I'm like, what's going on here? Mm. What's going on here? Well, that's we how know what's going is. on. <laughs> He's yeah. bragging know, about know. hugging people. <laughs> anyway, uh, so then I got one more clip of this guy. You tell you tell everyone what it yeah, is. Yeah, so it's from the same live stream and he's talking about now he doesn't have COVID, but he's going out to department stores and shopping and exposing himself to people. And he runs into some guy who says, hey, Dude, maybe you have COVID, and they get into a fight. My buddy shopping, this guy came in there, got the conversation going towards COVID, because I said, because he said, "Oh, his back sore," and I go, "Oh, my whole body sore." He asked me why, and I told him, "Cause I'm sick." I go, "But it's not COVID. COVID doesn't exist." And it, oh man, he was so triggered, so emotionally charged. He knows like three or four people that died from COVID, man. But it's like, I'm like, listen, he goes, oh, I don't want to have a conversation. And I go, I don't want to argue. I just want to have a discussion about what we're told. <coughs> that hurts so much. 
Well, guess no. what? Police <laughs> found him. Police found him dead in his home two weeks later. Um, but his death was not officially attributed to Convid. But I, I don't know. I'm. Why would I'm you just drop dead? Yeah, I'm going right. to go out on a limb and say maybe he had Convid. Not vaccinated, by the way. Refused to get vaccinated. Bragged about it. Made fun of people that were vaccinated. There's no empathy. I mean, even if you don't believe it's real, people say, I know someone who died of it. There's, just, there's no empathy there whatsoever. So, no, it's like, oh, you're lying. They're lying to you. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or they're right. old or whatever. Anyway, so that's the latest depressing um, update on people who are screaming that COVID doesn't exist. And thought you'd enjoy that before you uh, have the rest of your day. And what else? Oh, I should mention this, Robin. Next week, Molly Shannon will be by. I. I've been reading Molly's book. Molly used to be on Saturday Night Live, and she wrote a yeah. book about her life, and it's pretty fucking just an amazing story. I'll leave it at that, and she'll come in and talk to us about it a little bit. And, uh, big fan, big fan. What was that? Ugh, how gross. Who did that? They're fired. I'm pretending that that didn't happen. <laughs> well, I can't get over sick. it. <laughs> I can't get over it. That was gross. That was no. There was no need for that. Whoever did that into an open mic.